For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. For all those joining us on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. With Dave Manuk, with Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel, here for the next couple of hours, delving deep into the struggling Winnipeg Jets, the trade deadline six days away. So you know that is going to be front and center on this morning's program. In addition, we'll spend time talking about Cole Perfetti, the injury, and how that impacts the Winnipeg Jets, Nikolai Ehlers and his usage, and of course, the continued struggles of the team as they laid an egg last night. If you somehow managed to miss it, if you've been hiding from the news over the last, uh, I guess, 12 hours or so, the Winnipeg Jets losing last night 5-1 to the Colorado Avalanche. The Jets still in second spot in the Central Division, but uh, you can sort of feel as though they're hanging on for dear life to that position as the Wild, the Avalanche, uh, get our right on their heels and the playoff spot is hanging perilously in the balance as well as the Jets struggles continue. Gentlemen, good to see you both. I hope you had a nice little cuddle session after the post-game show last night. Did you guys sleep over? Did you like to make some s'mores and, and tell ghost stories? Was it finger puppets on the wall? What was it? The inquiring minds want to know. Shadow puppets, you mean, not finger puppets. That's right, shadow puppets. Sorry, I meant shadow yeah. puppets. Yeah. You use if, your you, if you're doing finger puppets on the wall, I don't know what would be happening there. Well, you, but... use, you use your fingers to make the shadow puppets, so yeah, I'm not entirely wrong. Yeah, no, you're not entirely wrong. I just, I just I, helping you out there. I but yeah, I didn't it. did not sleep over, even though Dave M does have a room for me that he's told me that I could sleep there anytime I want. Yeah. But I did drive down Corden and go to my house in River Heights, and then I'm back here, uh, you know, nine or ten hours later, ready to go. You know, you mentioned that the Jets are only a couple points up on the avalanche well who do the avalanche play second game of back to back tonight they play the flames right so yeah. the jets can actually um pardon me the avalanche can actually tie the jets tonight i'm not sure who would have the tiebreaker there but regardless it's really close right and now the jets are not only in danger of falling out of second as you mentioned drew yeah they're in danger of falling into a wild card spot but let's be honest there's only really nine teams in it right now like nashville i believe is seven points back of the last wild card spot and even though they have some games in hand, like Ryan Johansson being out for the rest of the season, like it's over. And and we hear that the Predators are going to sell. You know, Matias Echo might be on the block. Other players might be on the block, right? So the Jets are right now battling with, you know, three or four other teams, as you mentioned, Drew, for positioning in the completely wide open central. But it's like Brendan Dillon said last night, Dave, right? The Jets got humbled. And I feel like that quote's going to, you know, resonate for a while here because, you know, after the really disappointing road trip where you easily could have lost four of four games instead of three of four games, you know, you get smoked by the avalanche and the game is over by 7.30. Like we talked about it, right? Three goals on the first four shots and then the avalanche add one and it's 4-1 after one period. And you just got the feeling that there was no way the Jets were coming back the way they were playing. So this team's in trouble right now because, you know, the last, you know, 15 to 20 games, this team has been floating around 500 and now their cushion is gone. Uh, before we let Dave chime in, gentlemen, on three, one, two, Have your three, 
Bailey Happy birthday, birthday to you. you. Okay, that's enough. We're terrible. <laughs> Happy birthday, Bailey. Happy birthday, we, Bailey. Yeah, we got to say I was ready birthday. to go the, do the full song, Dave. I thought we were uh, doing well. <laughs> my, 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 well, we did, we, 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 we did a good job. We got, we got the happy birthday to you and we, the two happy you, birthday, course, Bailey. To Bailey. So happy yeah. birthday, Bailey, one of our most loyal supporters and viewers here on the channel. So we appreciate your support and we hope you have a great birthday. So have a enjoyable birthday. If uh, you know, the moose are playing. Speaking of the moose, I have four tickets. If anybody wants to go, send me a DM Bailey. Maybe you want to go for your birthday. If you do send me a DM, you can go to the moose game. They play at two o'clock this afternoon against in a rematch against the Admiral. So if anybody wants to go four tickets to the Moose game, I have them. I and, think Drew's uh, saying that he wants to go. looks like Drew has his hand up there, Dave. No, no, no. I'm just, I, I'm, I, I, this is just my resting, uh, hosting face, you know, ah, it, like this. With the pen, it makes it seem like I'm insightful, like there's something churning in this head of mine, as opposed to its usual thought process, which is just food, 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 food. But uh, no, I wasn't raising my hand in that instance. There you go. Anyway, so he, look, the, 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 the the Jets are doing something they haven't done all season long. They're losing a lot of games in a row. Because what have we talked about? What was the kind of the, the oh, Bailey wants to go to the game. There we go. Bailey, send me a DM or or just send me an email, Dave, at IllegalCurve.com. All I need is your email. Uh, I know your name, so you don't need that. I think I even have your email. But let me know how many tickets if you want. If you want two or four, uh, we can get those to you. And if you only want two and somebody else wants two then we can get those to them anyways it's bailey's choice so it is her birthday Don, donnie boy wants to know if we're giving away any springsteen tickets we're not yet no, donnie boy. No. We'll see well, you that. can go with drew though yeah. drew's got drew got tickets so, we're not uh, that high end we can't afford that we can't afford yeah. those uh, 800 tickets yeah but anyways so you're, you know not, what? you're not made of money like i am there we go so yeah we, we that might be the next commercial drew not not the not the current grid park commercial so Look, the Jets are doing something that they haven't done, which is which is lose, you know, games in a row, two, three, four games in a row. And that's and it's just something we haven't seen all season long, right? It's just become more of a pattern of late than it was earlier in the season. And that's the reason why they were able to avoid, you know, the panic button being hit. Mm-hmm. And 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 the and again, the interesting thing is, and whether you want to say, you know, the guys who came up had more heart or whatever it was, but the reality is that the Jets played better when they were injured than they are at full strength. It doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. I mean, and again, maybe it's a testament to the guys who are hungrier, who want to earn themselves. Like, look at Mikey Esimont, right? And and Rick Bonus was asked about him yesterday. And 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 look, San Jose is not a good team, but he's having some success in San Jose. So you have guys who want to, you know, play hard, earn themselves a spot up in the NHL, and 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 they play like it. Esimont's got eight game. points in eighteen games for the Sharks, Dave. Not bad. You know, the, the bottom six of the Jets, I don't think has eight points combined in the last 80 <laughs> games or something like that. It doesn't matter. Any sort I mean, it's it's just glaringly obvious. They need help. Yeah. I mean, and, and we talked about it for weeks on end now. I mean, I think I saw something last night on, on Twitter that, you know, Baron, Lowry and Kuhlman, mm-hmm. who by and large are the Jets third line between the three of them since December 20th, they have four goals. And mm-hmm. two of those goals were into empty nets. I mean, that's just not... Well, what have we always said? A third line has to actually contribute. It's not just a defensive... You can't have two defensive lines. Like, it just doesn't oh. work in today's NHL. So, you need three lines that can contribute, and the fourth line, which would give you the... You can't have the third line be a fourth line, which occasionally gets a goal. And that was an issue before Cole Perfetti went down with that injury, right? right? Like, that was yeah. an issue, not getting any goals from the third line. And now you have Mason Appleton being elevated, but... 
all due respect to Appleton, like he's just not a guy that's going to give you a ton of offense. Yes, I realize he scored a goal last night, but we're talking about the type of offense that you need to compete with the best teams in the league, like Colorado. Like mm-hmm. it, clearly Colorado's top six had a huge edge over the Jets' top six and and then throughout the lineup, right? Like the Avalanche, even without Landis Gog and Makar and Eric Johnson, were skating circles around the Jets. Like it was yeah. just complete domination. Well, I mean, you just look at the players that the – at, that the Avalanche have in on their lineup. And keep in mind, this is without some guys in their lineup. This is still with guys injured who would be regulars, who would be on this team, like Gabriel Landeskog and Darren Helm. You just look at their bottom six. Forget about the top six. The bottom six has players that can contribute offensively. Guys like Andrew Cogliano, veteran guy, at the end of his career, but can still contribute. Uh, you know, Matthew Nieto scored last night. We talked about him, can contribute. They got him for nothing. Uh, you know, for you know, they they traded for him to you know for not that much. Even guys like Dennis Mulgan, again, not an exciting guy, not a guy you're going to build your roster around, but a guy who's been around the NHL and who knows how to uh, who knows how to score. Alex Newhook, you know, Logan O'Connor, a younger player. These guys can score. The Jets don't have anyone in the bottom of their lineup who can score, who can threaten the opposition, and it's been like that all season long. But for a while there, they were still getting some contributions. But those contributions dried up. And now it's incumbent on the general manager to do something to augment those players. You don't throw them all away. No one's saying that. But when that offense, and you can probably call it fluky offense, because it's not anything that's uh, you know has any sign that it's going to be a regular occurrence. But when that offense dried up, the general manager has done nothing. And that to me is a huge red flag because it's now been, it's not been a week. It's not been two weeks. It's been months and nothing has happened. And now he's got six days left in which to try and do something. But look at how much ground you've lost. Well, that's the the key point here that you're trying to drive home. Like yes. we all expect Chevy to make multiple trades, not just one. This is not I, a year. I this is not a, this anymore, is not a Jordy Ben type of year where you're just going to bring in a seventh defenseman. I'm not saying that the Jets won't bring in a veteran defenseman, but it's forwards we're talking about. And it was before, it was only one top six forward, but now we're talking about a couple of top nine forwards because we've seen enough out of guys like Saku Manalainen and Axel Janssen-Fialbi, even though, you know, everybody that's watched the post-game show or the Saturday shows knows that we love AJF speed and his hair especially, but (laughs) no, I'm joking, but just... You know, Jansen Fialbi, Saku Manalainen, Sam Gagne, like, you're just not going to get a lot of offense from these guys. Sure, they might score a goal every seven or eight games, but, like, that's not going to cut it anymore. And, you know, the offense has dried up. Lowry, Barron, you know, like, it, it's just, you're not getting, you're, the top six isn't scoring like like you would like, right? Like, Ehlers just broke a long goal-scoring drought, right? Yeah. But Ehlers missed a lot of time, so you give him a little bit of slack. He's been playing well. We'll get into Ehlers later with Garrett Hole because I imagine Garrett's going to have a lot to say about Ehlers usage and we talked about it on last week's show but yeah Drew you're absolutely right there's an argument to be made that the Jets should have made a move you know several weeks ago to stop the bleeding and that's what they have to do right now like Rick Bonus said last night's game was the most important game of the year well then that was a big failure for your team and I would argue that yeah Sunday's game is a must-win game I know it's the you know the most tired cliche but you have to put a string of wins together because you've got Edmonton coming up on a tough back-to-back situation where you've got one game at home, one game on the road, mm-hmm. right? So you've got some you've tough got games coming together. Islanders, Kings, and then Oilers back-to-back. Like this is a, this is a tough stretch. We talked about it a few weeks back. So 
Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you have some call-ups from the Moose. And I'm Dave would know better who might be that player that's called up. Like, I imagine Jansen Harkins would be in the conversation. You know, I'm not sure if a guy like Alex Limoges would be called up, Dave. No, I mean, he's in, he's injured. Okay, so, I mean, uh, Jansen Harkins would probably be close to the top of that list, if not at the top but, of the I list. Mean, just to just to get some different players in there because whatever is happening in the Jets forward group right now is not working. Look, I, I don't think that the solution is in house. The real solution. No, but I'm in-house. saying before a trade is made. That's I'm fine. Not, I'm not saying that Jansen Harkins is is going to come in and then that's going to you know mean Chevy doesn't make a trade. I'm just saying that I wouldn't be surprised based on the fact that the, the Jets have lost nine of their last fifteen games. I wouldn't be surprised if they call someone up from the farm. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and, that, and that's a fair in addition point. to in addition to pursuing a trade. Yeah, th- that's a fair point. But I mean, it, it's evident that within this organization, the answer does not reside, and that is where you now focus your energy on the general manager. And you have six days left. I mean, he's you know this is where you know he earns general managers allegedly earn their money. You know, it, they earn their money. You know, leading up to the trade deadline, they earn their money at the draft. They earn their money at free agency. Other than that, let's be you know let's be honest in this league. General managers don't don't seem to do a whole hell of a lot else. They talk and they consider things and they maybe they have conversations. But you know how often does a trade actually happen in this league? Anytime a real trade happens, it's breaking news because it's so rare. So I mean, general managers get paid for you know uh, three different two week segments a year, and this is one of them. And the general manager of the Winnipeg Jets, in my mind, has got has to have his feet on fire to do something because what you're seeing and the roster you're putting out on the ice is just not good enough, Dave. Now the head coach has made some bad decisions and we can start there with the Nikolai Ehlers usage. So let's sort of transition into that because Nikolai Ehlers is just not being played enough. And it seems as though, you know, that, that it's, 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 I don't want to say it's personal because I don't know what their relationship is like, but it seems based on his usage, Dave, that Rick Bonus doesn't appreciate Nikolai Ehlers' game. That would be my uh, that would be my comment about it. I'll let you uh, agree, disagree, or, or put a more nuance on that. Well, I don't know how much more nuance you can put if you look at the time on ice, right? I mean, his time on ice, and you sometimes you can say, well, he doesn't kill penalties. And if the Jets, I think it was the Rangers game where they took a lot of penalties, and and the PK unit was on quite a bit. So you know, the, guy, the Jets. Sorry, Dave. The Jets have enough guys that can kill penalties. I don't think I'm not saying that you're advocating for that. It's just like no, I'm not. I'm Ehlers is not going to kill penalties. No, 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 no. I know, but I'm. Sense. I, what I'm saying is he is the reason why his, his ice time was lower in that Rangers game was because the Jets killed a lot of penalties. Right, right. And therefore, he wasn't on the ice because the PK units were uh, were on more than, than he was. But, I mean, yes, it, it's, it is a curious decision that they just can't seem to find someone who plays well with Nikolai Ehlers. At least we, you know, what did we talk about with, when, hold on, but, I know what you're going to say, Drew. They did. Yeah, they did yeah. for a while. They had yeah. a long, they, like Connor Dubois and Ehlers. Yeah. Sure seemed to work, right? Remember the beginning of the year when they were lighting it up and they were oh, like not when he came back year, from sorry. injury. Sorry, that's what I meant. When he yeah. came back from injury and 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 they were lighting it up together. And we said, and at the time when he when he cha- made the changes, we said, okay, you know that works. So I understand wanting to see what different combinations look like because you can have an injury to a Cole Perfetti or to anybody, and you need to be able to not rely on one line for 82 games. And then if something happens, well, now you're screwed because you haven't adjusted you haven't tried to create some chemistry elsewhere but if i'm rick bonus why are you not attaching those three together and playing them uh, like a line like you, that that line was dominant 
They were absolutely dominant. They were they were putting the puck in the back of the net. What is what what is the biggest thing? I don't care for your defi- your defensive deficiencies, and we've seen it. Mark Sports video sent us a video that we were looking at some of the defensive deficiencies uh, from last night's game. So thank you, Mark, for sending that. But the fact of the matter is that the Jets have their defensive warts. We know that. But the fact of the matter is that right now you're not, not only do you have defensive warts, which you're getting burned by, but you're not scoring any goals, right? One game where you have four and the rest of the games you're scoring under two. And none of them are five on five. They right. haven't scored at five on five versus the Avalanche versus yeah. the Islanders. Or I the mean, Columbus Blue Jackets. The, or the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. Three of their last five games, they haven't scored a goal at five on five. That's so, the biggest issue right now. That yeah. is 100% the biggest issue. Yes, Dave, like, are they turning the puck over and, you know, are certain defensemen struggling right now? Yes. But to your point, the biggest issue with the Jets right now is their lack of goal scoring at five on five. And that's all four forward lines. It's not just one line. Uh, it, it just, and so to your point, Dave, which was, you know, uh, also what I was thinking is you had a line that was effective offensively. And yes, maybe it gave up some stuff defensively. Fine. We know that. We know, you know, what where the areas of concern would be. But the fact that they haven't been reunited at all during the this lengthy slump is odd to me. And that's being charitable. I just don't understand it. You can't score right now, lately. And yes, you're, you might be giving up some defensively with that line together, but I don't think it's so woeful defensive that you can't play it off that you can't play it together offensively. I still think they give you more than they take away. No, especially when you have true. nothing it's, else going offensively right the, now. Aside from Shifley, these are the three players that create the most offensively, like offensive drivers on this team. We know they're Kyle Connor, Nick Ehlers, and Pierre Luc Dubois, right? And this line, I'm not sure why Drew's out right now, but. Those are the three guys, in addition to Shifley, Dave, where you could point to and you can say that these are these guys should be together, the super line, right? Yeah. And yeah. Drew's back right now. I hit That's the kill switch. I hit the kill switch again. I mean, I, I was I, 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 button so I was, much. I, was I was muted. So I was like, so I said to Ezzy, I'm like, yes, Drew hit the kill button. We're good. Go as. No, I'm just uh, like the, the makeup right now is is thrown off with Cole Perfetti being out of the lineup, but it's just it's obvious that that those three guys should be together and that's not going to solve all the jets problems because they're still not getting secondary scoring. But yeah, I mean, some of Rick bonuses uh, line combinations, it kind of reminds you of Paul Maurice. It's almost like it's just a mishmash out there. Like, and, and that kind of, again, you know, we sound like a broken record here this morning, but that's even more reason why Chevy has to bolster this top six slash top nine. Like, I don't know if it's Brock Besser. I don't know if it's Nick Schmaltz. I mean, it sounds like the Jets aren't in on Timo Meyer. It sounds like well, you know the Devils and the Hurricanes, they're the front runners. I guess you'd throw Vegas in there, but whoever it is, I mean, uh, James Van Riemsdyk. I mean, there's 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 guys out there that Chevy can acquire that makes the top six better. So let's talk about Timo Meyer because this came out late last night, courtesy of Murat Atesh in The Athletic. Oh, is it Murat's article? Okay. Yeah, it was in Murat's article. Okay. Uh, a league source told The Athletic, and I'm reading this uh, verbatim, uh, that the Jets are interested in trading for Sharks star Timo Meyer, but Meyer's camp has indicated that if acquired, he would not be interested in signing an extension in Winnipeg. So that came out last night in, in, in an article on TheAthletic.com. So the Jets won't get him then because it's not a rental situation. Well, I mean, again, but how does it differ from the Pierre Luc Dubois because you're situation? Gonna have to, well, because you're, you're going to have to give you're going to have to give up more assets, true, and you can't afford. If you're the Fine. Jets, you can't afford to right. 
you can't afford to give up assets for a guy who's going to be here for a year and a half. Well, you can give it up and then you can try and recoup it. Also, Pierre-Luc Dubois was younger when he was acquired, right? Fine. Those are two valid concerns. I mean, valid issues. It just seems like, you know, immediately. And I like if you're on the verge of unrestricted free agency, like I don't quite understand uh, why Bo Horvat immediately gave up his unrestricted free, the opportunity to go to unrestricted free agency. Just because you know, the, the Islanders thing traded I find, for him. The fine thing about Meyer, I find curious though, because it was like two days ago that teams weren't even allowed to talk to his camp about extension. Right. So, I mean, I, I'm just saying like, I'm not saying that Murat's source is wrong. I'm just saying, I find it curious that like literally two days ago, the reports from his colleagues at the athletic were, I think it was LeBron who said it, that teams weren't even allowed to talk to his camp. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe, and it's kind of interesting because the one thing I heard from someone was, I don't remember. I sound like someone told me once, but, but what I heard from when I, what I read from one of the sources was that uh, they weren't wanting to do anything that was going to kind of over uh, lap with the retirement ceremony of Patrick Marlowe's Jersey and, and retirement ceremony, which is tomorrow. And the sharks are making a huge thing of it. So they're, the thought was that they may not, it may be quiet on the Timo Meyer front till after this weekend, or at least after Saturday's game. So they don't, or is it today or today or tomorrow, whenever it is the, the uh, retirement ceremony for Marlowe. So they didn't want to overshadow that. So there was thought that, that it, the Myers talk would wait. So the only thing I've also TSN again, and Sportsnet big Myers agent, not to do anything <laughs> before Friday. Anyways, all I'm saying is that it just, it's curious that they weren't allowed to talk extension. And now, I mean, now it's entirely possible that even without talking extension, that Myers camp is putting out that he wouldn't sign an extension with Winnipeg. So maybe that's uh, maybe Myers camp is getting out ahead of things. Who knows? But again, like I said, so that's, that, that's the reality. And you know, if, if he doesn't want an extension, Drew, I understand what you're saying. Your point is, is not, not ridiculous because mm-hmm. the truth is if you're a Jets, if you're the Jets team and you know, people can say this team's terrible. It's funny how, again, two or three wins in a row and suddenly the warts go away and, I, and they don't go away, but you forget them quickly. And I'm just saying that, for folks who want, remember, I mean, it wasn't that long ago the Jets were ro- riding, winning all those games in a row, not losing, and and you know it was a Stanley Cup. What are you going to do to augment the Stanley Cup roster? You got a you know Hall of Fame goaltender potentially in net with Connor Hellebuck. So how are you going to augment this team to make it deeper? The West is wide open. Blah blah blah. So I'm just saying that I understand your point, which is, sure, trade away some futures, get Meyer. You have him for at least a year and a half, and if you have to. If things aren't going, if things are going south, you know you're not going to re-sign Mark Shifley. You're not going to be able to re-sign Connor Hellebuck. Then you blow it all up next year. And then you trade all of those things for assets and you have to retool. And people are going to have to accept that this core is done. And you you went for it this year when the West was wide open. That, that's just it. I mean, it, it it seems to I mean, it's not like he's walking out the door after this season. He's not a rental. So I understand nope. that you don't yeah. you would prefer to sign him to a longer term deal, but just because he doesn't want to immediately give up the opportunity to go to free agency shouldn't also mean that you're immediately out of the sweepstakes. I mean, mm-hmm. that just, I don't think the two necessarily have to be directly tied. It's the preference of the jets or whatever acquiring team would be to probably get them under a long-term contract. But again, if I was about to be an unrestricted free agent for the first time in my career, I'd want to see what the market held for me. And it doesn't mean that he won't come back. Remember Steven Stamkos, you know, basically got to unrestricted free agency. And he chose to stay in Tampa Bay. You know, John Tavares, you know, decided to go to unrestricted free agency and he went to Toronto, his prerogative. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily, I just don't know why 
the you need a cert you need certainty or you need some sort of assurance before you're willing to do anything it seems like that's a little bit cart before the horse because really then aren't you limiting who you're going to be able to acquire i mean it just, absolutely I yeah mean, it just seems like it's it, it's either you think you will have a stanley cup contender and you're willing to do most anything to 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 fulfill that vision or you don't and you're not going to do anything you can't be half pregnant. Right. And the asking price is high. We know that. And Cole Perfetti was a guy that, you know, was talked about. Obviously, he's injured now. So the Jets aren't going to be trading Cole Perfetti well, as part why? of a package for, for Timo. Well, I mean, why? I guess he, if, if I guess San Jose wa- If San Jose wants Cole Perfetti to be the headlining okay. aspect. Okay. Of the I guess I guess he could be he could be traded, Drew, in theory, because San Jose is not making the playoffs. So they don't oh, really care about this year. Tank even but worse. I guess my point is I, I just don't see the Jets getting Meyer. I think there's other teams that, that are higher on his list and will offer more. Like a team like the Devils has a lot of cap room, for example, right? The Hurricanes you don't think the Hurricanes see what the Rangers have done and they don't see what, you know, other teams have done. The Leafs getting O'Reilly, right? The Rangers getting Tarasenko, the Islanders getting Boston. Exactly. Boston getting Orlov and Hathaway, right? So I think Carolina and the Devils make a lot more sense at this point than the Jets. I'm just being honest. Well, you're right. I see the arm, the arms race is in the East. The East is, is every team is like arming up. It's like, it's like a cold war right now where every team is maximizing their rosters. So I mean, it, it is going to be a slog to get out of the East, which, again, could be a huge advantage to whatever team manages to escape the, the Western Conference. But um, the Eastern Conference is, and as he's 100% right, there's no chance. I, I, to me, Meyer's destination is Carolina or, or New Jersey because those teams see the need. Right now, New Jersey's you know, waging a war internally as to whether which prospect they want to give up. They have a good prospect pool, so, and they've got the picks. So it's a function of that right now, boys. But I, I can't see New Jersey seeing what their what their their cross the river neighbors are doing and not wanting to make some sort of splash, especially with the team that they've got. Right, a young and up and coming team. Timo Meyer could be part of that. Living in New York or New Jersey, but you know some of those guys live in New York. But it, or you could live in Philly. That's close enough, right? So, anyways, the point is there's lots of options for for Timo Meyer and there's lots of options for the Sharks. They've got lots of dance partners right now. So the Jets are one of them. The Jets are, quote, in on it like everybody else. And Drew's not wrong. I understand the logic. And depending on – I just don't think the Jets are going to be able to match the cost. I think the, the cost – if you could do this for a fairly – let's put it this way. If you could get a Winnipeg deal, you might be willing <laughs> to do it. But I don't think you're going to get a Winnipeg deal. So as a result – Especially not from the Sharks. Cost. They hate our Wi-Fi, right? When we come back, Garrett Hole is going to join us for more Jets talk. Saturday morning, you're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg are with you. Don't go anywhere. Much more to come. Bottom of hour number one, welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Saturday morning, we're live on YouTube. We're live on all of our social media platforms. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. Reminder, the Illegal Curve postgame show tomorrow, 5.15 p.m. Following the Jets and the New York Islanders. We're pleased to welcome to the program a prominent personality on Twitter covering the Winnipeg Jets, also doing extensive writing on his substack called The Five Hole. Garrett Hole joins the program now to talk about the Jets. Garrett, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us bright and early on the left coast of Canada. We appreciate you waking up with us. Morning. Uh, well, I mean, as uh, Ezra <laughs> and I were joking about uh, on Twitter and DMs not too long ago, uh, with kids, you're uh, waking up these hours anyways. <laughs> That's right. It's the middle of the afternoon when you have kids at this hour. Jared, <laughs> I used to wake up at like 11. I'd stroll out of bed. Now, like, I'm lucky <laughs> if I can, you know, get out of bed past, you know, 7. Yeah, I 
I actually set an alarm just in case for this morning. And sure enough, uh, about, I say almost exactly seven minutes before my alarm went off. Dad? <laughs> <laughs> the invasion of the sleep snatchers is, is, is sometimes how I like to refer to them. As, uh, yeah, they, they like to make their presence known uh, bright and early. Uh, anyways, Garrett, we do appreciate that you're able to squeeze some time out and ignore the family a little bit like we're doing in order to talk about uh, the struggling uh, Winnipeg Jets, a team that you have covered uh, over the years since they, of course, have returned to Winnipeg. Uh, and you are, uh, as I mentioned, a prominent personality on Twitter, tweeting out during the game, tracking, uh, you know, doing tracking of games whenever you have an opportunity to do so you know before we get into the jets i think and and some of their struggles as of late you know when you're watching a game i mean you probably watch a game in a slightly different manner than i watch a game than dave watches a game than ezra watches a game everybody sort of focuses Garrett, what drew is saying is that you're less drunk than he is when he watches jets games <laughs> drinking less bourbon sometimes <laughs> yeah sometimes you, you know sometimes you have to drink bourbon when you watch this team what are you watching for when you're typically watching the Jets on a, on, a, on a regular basis? I mean, recently, it's a lot more boring and people would hate to be me. Uh, but, you know, it's just what I do because I'm a weird person who likes to have fun in different ways. Uh, but for the most part, when I'm watching games right now, just because I decided to get back into blogging and uh, I wanted to provide some value um, to that. Uh, so I've been tracking the game. So it's, it's uh, very similar to what I used to have some of my employees do back with uh, hockey data and also, um, you know, what actually some sports teams will have uh, a couple employees do uh, while they're watching the game. Um, like I know Matt Prefontaine for the Jets would be watching the game kind of similar in terms of um, having uh, some Excel sheets and some uh, tracking software where, as certain things happen, they'll track it, um, which, you know, it's kind of, it's definitely watching the game in a different light because sometimes you see things that you normally wouldn't notice or expect because uh, you're kind of, when you're watching the game as a fan, it's the it's all about the big moments, the big flashy moments. Those are the things that stick in your brain. Um, but then sometimes when you're, uh, when you're tracking, like, for example, a lot of people are melting down about the Jets, yesterday and meanwhile i was like oh wow dylan Demello carried the puck into the defensive zone three times that's one third of how many times he's done it this year <laughs> <laughs> a different perspective is, is what you're is, is what you're saying uh, let me ask you this garrett i mean so obviously like you said people are melting down as regarding the jets performance as of late and over the last month they are one of the worst teams in the nhl in terms of points acquisition so that's what i'm looking at the the raw numbers about you know wins losses ties they're in the bottom of the league as of late which of these jets teams is more is more correct the team that was flying high and that was performing admirably and that was towards the top of the western conference and everyone was talking about augmenting the roster for a run uh you know to the western conference finals or the team over the last month month plus that has been struggling that has been one of the worst teams in the nhl from your perspective which one is more accurate i mean the boring answer is always in the middle right uh, whenever you have two Whenever you have two extremes, the answer is usually in the middle, not even looking from an analytics perspective. Um, looking at a more analytics perspective, uh, the Winnipeg Jets have been solid but unspectacular in a lot of areas, like in terms of shot quantity, shot quality, and that kind of stuff. Um, some areas, they're 
better than what they were in the in the past and some some areas they're about the same um what's really propelled them as a team which everyone has known for years is connor helbuk um from a little fancy stat numbers uh, perspective using goals above replacement from evolving hockey uh connor helbuk since he's entered the league has had a larger impact on wins than any other nhler um the second highest impact is connor mcdavid now they're both close enough that given error estimates it could be either one of them mm-hmm. you're not saying anything with certainty but that just kind of puts you in perspective that like Helbuick is the great equalizer and so i'd say on average the jets are uh they're a team that should make the playoffs even without Helbuick. but heli is a guy that makes them dominant but the, the problem with goaltending even with the best of them is sometimes they're just not going to be on their a game they're not going to save one for the jets and um you know the jets are a flawed but good roster and um when heli isn't stopping everything that's going to be a problem and last night was a per- that leads perfectly right garrett like last night was a perfect example of i don't know who is stopping nathan mckinnon in that shot for miko rantanen right like it just I, I don't i don't know any goalie and as you mentioned you know hellebuck is number one of all players uh you know in terms of the amount of games that he has won for his team so it's a perfect example last night where you know even hellebuck can't save the jets right and I wanted to get into uh, some trade deadline talk, right? Because that's what everybody's talking about, right? Like when we do the post-game shows, everybody is just, the, the chat, and half of it is just, you know, uh, guys that you know, fans want the Jets to acquire. And I subscribe to the 5 Hole Substack, and you did a really good job. Uh, you, you, I imagine you spent hours on this because um, not only did you break down, you know, different players, but you had models and, and you were talking about what the Jets really need. And what I wanted to ask you is about forward specifically, because I think, you know, we can get into defense as well, but I mean, Timo Meyer has to be right at the top of the list. I believe he was at the top of your list, but I think you'd also agree it's a long shot at this point, but who are some other players that, you know, based on some of the numbers that you've put together, do you think would really fit nicely into the Jets top six or top nine? Yeah. Um, thanks for the plug, by the way, guys. Um, I was going to, no, everybody should sub- sub- subscribe to it because Garrett, I mean, he has a, a an analytical mind. He's a smart guy, and he breaks it down really well. And it's and it's long reads, and I like those long reads. Well, thank you. Um, I was going to actually just like do a reverse before I go answer your question. I was actually going to match you and wear my legal curve too, but I couldn't find it. I think I got it in like 2012 for. Like, oh, nice! It's old school. Yeah, it's yeah. Nostalgic. I I think 2012 or 2013. I can't remember if it was a Burmese draw or a Stapleton gold, but I ended up winning it. <laughs> Going going way back. Are, are either of them available to come in and, and supplement this roster? Yeah, who knows? Um, but yeah, going back to the roster, um, I'll try to quickly go over that real quick. But uh, essentially, um, as you guys were talking earlier in the show, I mean, the, the Jets' bottom six is kind of flawed. In many ways, the middle six is what I'd say is flawed. You you guys are right. The, the big four are excellent players. According to like numbers-wise, no matter the model because you know sometimes different models will disagree but um whether that's by game score or goals above replacement expected goals replacement or any of these models these are models that are trying to estimate what a true player's value is to their team and you know there's some differences in what numbers they might use there's some differences in like how they um will define what value is 
Um, but regardless, they say, you know, the big four are the big four. They're the guys that, you know, any team would love to have. But the problem is after that, it drops quite steeply. Uh, Perfetti's, you know, he's shown some promise, but he's been a good player, but he's kind of flawed on a con- true contending team. Like you only have one of Perfetti or Wheeler on in the top six, maybe both of them on the third line. And then everything rolls down from there. Uh, Lowry was probably one of the greatest third line defensive players from 2014, 2018, still good, but he's not like that Adam Lowry. And then after that, you know, you got some holes on everywhere else. You kind of guys already kind of went over the scoring, but uh, you know, like pretty much every single bottom six piece is either scoring at a rate that's typical for a fourth liner or worse. And that's throughout the whole season. That's not even just the recent stretch. And you're going to have problems with that because as you mentioned with the new NHL, you, you need that extra depth scoring because you know, the top guys, they're really good, but they're not going to score all the time. Um, kind of burying my lead. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, there's obviously Myers would be a huge thing. Uh, I agree with you with the whole idea of like, if he doesn't sign, um, why wouldn't you go after him still? Because I mean, I mean, let's be honest. What is the Winnipeg Jets competitive window? Well, it's while they have Shifley, it's while they have Helly, it's while they have PLD, Dubois, and like who knows how long they have those guys for. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Shovel Dayoff knows better than me, but even he probably, because he doesn't have them signed yet, even he's probably not certain. So uh, they got to get something um, in there. So like Myers might cost a lot, but he's going to be, He's going to be an exceptional player. All of a sudden, they don't have four guys that really drive things. They'll have five guys. Um, but yeah, I kind of went on the Substack already, kind of brought up some people. I mean, most of the list wasn't people that I thought. It, I kind of asked other people and used the top 25 trade picks because um, for the TSN bait list. But uh, some kind of guys, you got to mention Schmaltz. I like the idea of Schmaltz because... Um, he has that like certainty that uh, uh, apparently the Winnipeg Jets are looking for because he's signed. Um, I mean, he's playing on wing right now. Actually, I don't know if that's changed. I haven't looked in the past couple of games for Arizona because who really wants to watch that team? Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's he's a really good player. He's been center. He's been wing. He's versatile. Um, and he has some term onto him. I think also like with the Winnipeg Jets, given who... You know, we love Winnipeg. You guys live there. I lived there for a third of my life and still visit from time to time. But, you know, it's not on the top of the list for every single NHL player. So sometimes you got to be a little creative. Sometimes you got to get the garbage bin guy who you hope ends up being a diamond in the rough. Um, I think Meyer has a line mate or not a teammate that might be that. LeBanc has been healthy scratched like two times this year. And like... LeBanc, he has like, you know, a pretty expensive cap hit of 4.7. But I think that like he's a guy that can, you know, be a middle six guy. He seems to still have um, some impact that uh, I think could help the team. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a, there's been rumors about the Jets and JVR. I think he's a guy that has some injury concerns and he's aging, but he's still competent. Um, but I don't know if there's anyone that you kind of like interested in, 
Uh, one another guy that I think is probably available for ch- cheap is uh, um, I always pronounce his name right, wrong. I can't remember if it's Levo or Levo at uh, St. Louis. Levo, Levo, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's another guy that like you know has struggled to get in the roster, and we, normally you'd be like, okay, struggling to get on the roster on a bad team. And I get that, like those concerns. But if you're gonna take a take a flyer on someone because you're not able to really buy the big guys that everyone's certain of, like Timo, um, then you might have to look for the guys that aren't, aren't always getting in. And if they're putting up good results, maybe that's the type you need. And probably Levo's only going to cost you a, a mid round pick, right? As opposed to you know a few of the other players that we talked about, like Meyer and Schmaltz, almost certainly involve a, a higher pick, right? Yeah, Timo's going to take like three to four pieces. You're going right. to look for something that's more akin to like what DeBrincat kind of cost. Saturday morning, you're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsburg with you. We're joined by Garrett Hole from the Five Hole Substack, talking about the Winnipeg Jets, talking about their struggles, and talking about the upcoming NHL trade deadline uh, six days away, Friday afternoon, 3 o'clock Eastern time is when the deadline bell rings. You know, Garrett, when this when this team was flying high, a lot of folks were saying, "Oh, this is the 2017-18 Winnipeg Jets." But it's starting to, with the second half fall off, look a little bit more like the 2018-19 Winnipeg Jets, which of course folks know what happened with them. The interesting thing to me was how this team played when they were missing seven of their quote top players. They were winning. They're winning a lot of games. They had a lot of guys coming up. What did you see during that time? Not specifically, I'm not going to ask you like point game by game, but generally speaking, what did you see? Because it seems like a, like a, like ridiculous to say the Jets were better when they were missing so many of their top guns or they were playing better and they were winning more with the top guns out than they were currently or they are currently, sorry. Yeah. Um, like, Sorry, I'm multitasking here, which because like I'm trying to bring up the actual stuff so that I can put some numbers to the to everything. But uh, honestly, some things were different, but not everything was different. Um, like in terms of like just looking at shot differentials, um, in terms of shot volume, looking at expected goals, which is uh, for people who don't know, is essentially it's the shot differential, but expected goals means you know shots that are closer to the net. Are worth more than shots further away from the net, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets have actually been fairly consistent um, for most of the season uh, in terms of just being slightly above average. Um, so, like, there's there's actually a lot of things that haven't changed, and one of the reasons why we tend to look at things like Corsi and expected goals is because of the fact that those are the things that tend to change less day to day. The things that do change a lot more often is you know, teams do go into streaks. They go into hot streaks. They go into cold streaks. I mean, everyone's talking about the Colorado Avalanche right now because they're on a hot streak. They're winning. Uh, But, you know, back in December, people were talking about, ooh, is Colorado even going to make the playoffs? Because, you know, they're struggling. They're losing lots of games. Um, I I know that the Jets were winning a lot more. Uh, when they were unhealthy, but I don't know if they're actually a better performing team per se. Uh, most of the numbers suggest not. Uh, that says that still says something when you're performing equally well and you're not healthy. Um, I think a lot of that is the fact that um, that you know I think some of the guys that the Jets got rid of aren't necessarily worse 
and might be even better than some of the guys that they kept. Um, Do you have any examples kinda, on that? I mean, you guys were already talking about Isomont, and uh, you know, Isomont was a player. He played really hard, and um, he had some rough games just before he got sent off. So I don't know if that was a little bit of recency bias uh, with the Jets' decision making there, or if it was, you know, kind of their hand was forced based off of contracts. But um, shot differentials wise, scoring, like even just points, like and points relative to his ice time, he was one of the stronger players um and uh sorry stronger players for those bottom guys right he wasn't like you know pushing dubois or shifley um, <laughs> he might have been pushing ehlers based on his recent based on ehlers recent usage yeah i mean if you want to go there we can go there yeah well i, mean, I was going to ask you that about that i mean it's you know look does nikolai like like every player they have some warts in their game but nikolai ehlers is a zone entry machine and for a team that often struggles to generate anything he at least is a guy who the opposition has to game plan for he's got that a skill set that the op, other team is, is is concerned about in a pre-scout yet he's being used so in such a limited manner by by rick bonus as of late so I mean, you can probably expound on it even more than I can, but it just seems for a team that can't score five on five, this is a guy you should be relying on more rather than less like the Jets have been doing as of late. Yeah, I mean, everyone's talking about how the Jets have struggled to score at five on five. And who's the guy that scored the most points relative to ice time on five on five? Not just this season, but pretty much every season for the past five years. It's Nikolai Ehlers. Like everyone's like, oh, you know, because he hasn't scored as many points as Wheeler or Connor or Shifley. They're like, oh, he doesn't, you know, like he's he's a good. Pl-. Everyone kind of, everyone's. I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people's opinions. They don't look up points to form their opinions, but their opinions kind of tend to align with point totals. And part of that is because that's just how our brains work. Our brain remembers the points, even if you don't remember. Like, Wheeler's had sixty something points. Wheeler had ninety something. Mm-hmm. You kind of remember. Your brain has like memory of most of those 90 moments and the and the other brain has most of those 60 moments but like usage whether that's ice time whether that's you know your line mates your line matching how much power play time how much empty net situations you get those are huge factors on how much you score even if you're the same skill level and like i mean look at how much more ehlers has scored over the season compared to the last couple of years. And part of that is because at the start, he was getting more of those opportunities that he never got with Maurice. Now all of a sudden he's kind of being used the same as Maurice used him, which is not enough. And <laughs> it like Ehlers is always the guy that scores the most relative to his ice time on the Jets at five on five. Do you think on the power a, play? Oh, sorry, sorry? Garrett, do you think he's a victim of coach brain where uh, you know a coach stifles creativity? Because it's I mean, not that's... just, you know, it, it's been Maurice, it's been Bonus, it's not just one guy. It seems yeah. like, and, and Ehlers is a guy who who relies more on creativity, more East-West in his game, and coaches hate unpredictability. So do you think he's a victim of coach brain to some extent? It's definitely a possibility. Like, you see it quite often. Because, um, you know, safe is safe might be death, but safe is what keeps coaches' careers going. Coaches and, love safe. Yeah, it's they'll rather a guy that's, you know, a four out of 10 and they know that he's going to be a four out of 10 because he's going to be a four out of 10 every year and every game and every day 
than a guy that's, you know, sometimes a three, but most often a five or a six because, you know, they know what they're going to get. It's part of it. Part of it is just, you know, human psyche. That's just the way we're built. Um, you, you, the double, you know, is better than the double you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that's the thing with analytics. They just kind of give you overall idea of, you know, maybe Ehlers doesn't play the way that you want him to play, but he's getting the results. He's why is he scoring more points than everyone else? Why does the team succeed better with him on the ice than everyone else? And you know what? I'm like, I'm also cognitive of the idea that, you know, sometimes when a guy does something that you're not supposed to do, sometimes you might have to slap him on the wrist for the team. But one of the problems that I have is the fact that it just always seems to be Ehlers. And then people say, well, you know, maybe it's an attitude thing because it seems to always be him, which, you know, I, I can't really tell any stories, but I've heard a thing or two. Maybe I can tell when I'm not on air, <laughs> uh, but not about Ehlers, but, you know, about, you know, players that, you know, analytics people are like why is this guy getting traded he's pretty good why does the team not want him and then you know you hear a funny story about him drinking and going around town but uh uh you know that's just the way it is but i don't know maybe there's something about ehlers that uh has been been an issue that i don't know of whether it's off ice or whether he's just not you know doing the things that bonus keeps on telling him to do but in the end, your team is struggling and you need to score and you have a guy that scores more than everyone else. And you're deciding that he's the one guy that, you know, you punish. Um, you, he's the guy that gets ice time slashed. Well, meanwhile, like no offense, Neil Pionk, but sometimes he's been great, but he's gone stretches where it's like literally months where the guy's been absolutely brutal. And he's pretty consistently been the second guy for ice time, no matter what whether or not he's playing good or whether he's playing poorly. And you have to ask about those like inconsistencies in decision-making. And I wanted to ask you about Neil Pionk. So that leads nicely into my question, but just one more thing on Ehlers. I agree hundred percent with what you said there, Garrett, like that this is a situation where the numbers don't lie and the eye test doesn't lie. They match, right? Like anybody watching this team and you could just look at simple ice time and it's perplexing why we're talking about this when, with all of the skill and the speed that Ehlers has, like we talk, we've been talking about this on the show. It seems like for five years now, maybe longer. And you know whether or not you think like Ehlers is smaller or anything like that, or he holds onto the puck as I mentioned. It just he's the most impactful forward that the Jets have, along with you know Connor and and Dubois Shifley. So it just doesn't make sense why his ice time has been down and he's not always on the first power play. But I want to talk about Pionk because I was messaging with you on Twitter and Pionk was one of the guys I wanted to talk about because. You know, there's no, there's no, I hate to use the cliche word, but there's no doubt that he has been struggling at times this year. Um, and I wanted to ask you, based on, you know, the advanced statistics, just how badly do the Jets need to bring in a defenseman to shore up the top four on, on the right side? How, like, just how badly has he struggled this year based on defensive impact and offensive impact? Yeah. Um, Neil, P- I kind of, I also have a post that's going out in an hour or so on uh, the Substack, basically the continuation of my uh, um, trade deadline piece. And so now I was planning on talking on defense and Pionk is definitely the most obvious issue for the Jets defense. Um, it's overall, I mean, we know, we all know Morrissey has been exceptional. Um, DeMello and Sandberg are, you know, very solid, good defensive. They, they're not great offense, but they're okay enough that their defense is exceptional. Then you have Dylan. He's 
just as good defensively as those other two. Um, his offense kind of hurts his overall impact, but he's got his utility. Um, then you have Schmidt, you know, he's a little bit overpaid, but he's doing fine as a depth guy on the third pair. But then you have Pionk and Pionk, I kind of quibble or Pionk. I kind of explained to him as he's similar to pulling a goalie. Um, <laughs> you know, he's creating offense, but he's creating offense for both ends. And just like how pulling a goalie is helpful when you're in extreme situations, but you know, if you're to pull a goalie for 60 minutes in the game, you're not going to win. Uh, that's kind of similar to what Pionk is like right now. Um, his, his offensive impact is very, very good, but his defensive impact is among the bottom in the league. And um, because of that he's, he's hurting things. And unfortunately, like last year, I was like, I wasn't certain whether or not that, how much is the real him because, you know, these are these are players. These are human beings. They're not machines. And everyone has bad games. And everyone and people even have bad seasons because you know life happens and whatever. I mean, we all saw what happened with Josh Morrissey, and we've all seen what's happened as he's been you know able to get back on top of things. But Pionk is a bit different. Where over his entire career, this has kind of been what he's been, other than one year where the Winnipeg Jets were playing only against Canadian teams during the COVID shortened season. And so like, you know, this might be who he is. And unfortunately um, it's been someone that every, every defensive pairing that he's been on, he sinks and they've struggled. The one exception has been Dylan. Dylan has been able to uh, mesh with him well enough that they're, that they, they basically are, floating above water just just barely they're just able to keep their head above water um and you know that that works for the regular season but the problem is once you go into the postseason you know you don't have those bottom teams that you're playing against anymore and also you know you're you're playing against the colorado avalanche four to seven games um all of a sudden you know just what was good enough to float and keep your head above water is not going to be you're going to be sinking and drowning uh so that is a bit of an issue um, one of the problems with the Jets, though, is I'm nervous that if the Jets just add to the team and not replace, um, all that ends up doing is throwing someone like Sandberg into the press box. And arguably, depending on which model you look at, he's been one of the Jets' top one to three defensemen. Um, I think he's had a really good breakout season. He's he's fairly strong in the puck. He's recovering. He's able to break up plays and recover, but. On top of that, he's able to move it quickly. Um, you look at, you know, what's one of the problems with the Jets is a lot of their guys aren't being very effective puck movers. Um, like, everyone's like, oh, I want the Jets need defensive defensemen. Jets need a defensive defenseman. Other than Josh Morrissey, people are kind of struggling to move in the puck, and I think that's part of the problem. I mean, Neil Pionk is the guy that attempts more defensive zone breakouts than any other Jet, but he's also one of the guys that's giving up the puck the most relative to how many times he's trying not just you know it's not a Dustin Bufflin effect where Dustin Bufflin gives up the puck quite a bit but it's because he always has the puck relative to how often he has the puck he's actually kind of safe uh Pionk has just been I I don't know how to call it but like essentially a master of chaos (laughs) he's a chaos agent yeah chaos agent you're talking about puck moving defensemen. They do have one, and uh, a guy who wears the number 34 down on the moose. He he knows how to move the puck pretty well. 
for, for the Manitoba Moose. Of course, Declan Chisholm does as well. But th- I wasn't going to ask about anybody specifically, Garrett, but you know, we're, we're six days away from the trade deadline. Is there a prospect on this Jet team, whether it's Cole Perfetti, Villahinola, or any of the guys in between, or below that, I should say, that you see as untouchable, that you don't want, you say the Jets shouldn't be moving him at any cost, or do you think this is a situation where the Jets should be prepared to make the ultimate sacrifice and uh, deal one of their, you know, guys that they see as a big core piece for this future. Yeah. I, that's, it's always a fun question to answer because <laughs> the real answer is it depends. Um, every, <laughs> every, every, every fan yeah. wants one thing. They want a Stanley cup, but not every GM is wanting the Stanley cup. Every GM wants long-term success. Um, I mean, you should if, have term limits as a general yeah. manager. Yeah, maybe. Um, that, that might, ch- that might change the NHL quite a bit. That'd be very interesting. <laughs> good, good luck. Good luck in that though. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, in terms of like, if the ultimate goal is to win in the Stanley cup, then the jets only have a small window. And so because of that, I'd say nothing's untouchable because of the fact that, you know, their long-term sustained success is not going to be predicated or sorry, it's not going to be possible while also trying to optimize themselves for the Stanley Cup over the next one to three years. Um, so all of a sudden, Perfetti, Hinola, none of those guys become uh, untouchable. Now, if you're you know, saying, screw you guys, we just want to get in the playoffs, then you, know, you might want to keep those kind of guys as a second wave and try to, you know, in the summer, try to retool a little bit. Uh, that obviously wouldn't be fun for most uh, hockey fans, uh, but uh, you know, that's kind of how it is. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say Profetti's untouchable, um, inter- if you want to win over the next two seasons, but, uh, if you're planning to keep a couple years, then he would be the guy, if you're trying to, you know, have someone that's insurance in case of Shifley goes to free agency or Dubois goes to free agency, then you need some more top six guys in the Jets. You know, they have Lambert and, uh, Lucius and all them, but you know, they're, they're quite a bit ways away so i don't think they're coming in to help help out those top six holes um whether they're the holes that they have right now or the holes they might have in two or three years well what one hole you should subscribe to is the five hole sub stack garrett hole authors that also of course follow him on twitter at garrett hole for his insights into the winnipeg jets while the games are ongoing garrett True. thanks so much for joining us this garrett, morning. before we let you go you know anybody that follows you on twitter knows that you're a strong guy you do some power lifting so i was going to ask you on behalf of dave next time you're in winnipeg can you gorilla press mandel <laughs> Sure, I'll try. Yeah, I mean, I'm. If you want to be the victim of that, Garrett, you go right ahead. I'm willing yeah. to. I'm willing to let myself volunteer for that. It yeah, my like over a... my overhead strength is actually not very good. So, <laughs> so we're think... both. So we're both yeah. collapsing to the ground, is what you're yeah. saying. Drew's like, he's able... only like a, he's only what 120 pounds, Drew. That's it. Soaking wet, 120 pounds. Okay. <laughs> Garrett, thank you. We appreciate your time this morning. We'll let you get back to the family. Uh, thanks for your insight. This was this was a, a good conversation. Thanks for having me, guys. There he goes, Garrett Holt, joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We take our second break. When we come back, more on the Jets. We look ahead to tomorrow against the Islanders. We look ahead to next week's games as well. And, of course, more on the trade deadline. At the bottom of the hour, Mike McKenna from DailyFaceOff.com is going to join us as well. Don't go anywhere. Saturday morning, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Hour number two rolls on. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. 
Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, Jon Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself. And somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rollies and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit Rollies.com. Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. So you're a pizza person, you married a wing person, but somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsburg with you on this Saturday morning. Hour number two of the program continues. Reminder, post-game show tomorrow afternoon about 5.15 p.m. That's strange. That odd 2.30 start time necessitates a bit of a weird 5.15 start time to the post-game show. Dave and Ezzy will have everything as it happens regarding the Jets and the New York Islanders. Of course, the Jets need a better response after last night's debacle. They're going to be without Cole Perfetti for the remainder of the regular season and uh, into the playoffs, at least uh, based on the estimated timeline. He leaves the game in New Jersey with a shoulder injury. Turns out to be worse than feared. Two months he's out of the lineup. Yet another injury for the Jets' young forward. How much of a concern is this becoming to for your from your guys' perspective that Cole Perfetti, again, has suffered another injury so early on in his career? It's, it's absolutely a concern. Um, it's more of a concern what the Jets are going to do in their top six, but right. no, it's absolutely a concern, Drew, right? Like he's 21 years old and, you know, he had two injuries last year, not just the one injury. Yeah, and it, back. yeah. So, I mean, those are significant injuries and the team said that it's not related to last year's injury. Um, but I mean, it's still a significant injury. So he said he suffered three significant injuries in a couple of seasons, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's definitely concerning. I mean, it doesn't mean that he's not going to have a long 
NHL career, but you know he's been injured uh, quite a bit as of late. So um, you know it's unfortunate for Perfetti, first of all. And yeah, I mean you know he's third in rookie scoring, but you know he's been a little bit uh, hot and cold, I would say, with his offensive production. I mean I'm not saying that you know I don't like his game at all, but I'm just saying that he wasn't exactly lighting it up before he he exited the lineup. But I think it's it's concerning because right now the Jets don't have a clear option to replace him in the lineup. Like Mason Appleton, we've already talked about it. I don't think he's the solution. The only other player that I think can be the solution is Morgan Barron. Well, so the, let's talk about that. So we, we have a couple of issues you got to figure out here is, is sort of how do the Jets retool the top of their lineup? Because this was the top of the lineup that was still sort of looking for some chemistry there and actually clearly hasn't scored much lately. So Mason Appleton got a chance early in the year. And then he obviously got injured, and now he's been back up playing with Shifley and Wheeler, uh, you know, as of late. Uh, or I guess not Shifley and Wheeler, sorry. But so, you know, what is... I'm like Connor and Dubois. Yeah, thank you. That's what I meant. Um, uh, what, I meant what... two completely different players. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little ahead of myself. My brain was firing at the, on all cylinders when it shouldn't have. Uh, so, you know, how do the Jets solve this problem? And we talked about trade. So there's six days to go before the trade deadline. If I mean, it seems like acquiring one forward is a band-aid to the problem. Mm-hmm. It depends who you're talking about. But yeah, I, I think regardless if it's Timo Meyer or Nick Schmaltz, Drew, I think, you know, the Jets could use a couple forwards here to bolster yeah. the lineup. I mean, if, you know, for the longest time, you know, so I guess if the Jets are acquiring, let's say for argument's sake, the Jets are acquiring three players at the trade deadline. Should it be three forwards? Or would you rather see two forwards and a defenseman? What is priority from your perspective when it comes to the Jets between now and Friday's trade deadline? Well, you need you need to augment the right side of your defense. So you 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 definitely need a defenseman. I'm sorry. I know folks might not want to hear that because offense, 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 but you have you have very little right side depth. And I know that that I can attest to the fact that the Moose have played Villahinola sometimes on his right side. But the fact of the matter is you don't have your, your you know, Tyrell Bauer. I know T. Conopoli, if he's in the chat right now, is going to be upset, not upset, because he knows Tyrell Bauer is going to need a few years. And Simon Lundmark is – No, I know. And Simon Lundmark is going to need a few years. The right side of your D prospects are – are and Leon Gavanke, who could in theory be the, the uh, a recall. I mean, he's right now he's still making some brain farts in the AHL. He's having I mean, him and Declan Chisholm work well together, but – the point is, I, in my opinion, you need to augment your right side of your defense because right now, that's, I know Kyle Capobianco can play on the right side, but you, you just don't have that same depth. If a guy goes down on the left side, you call Declan Chisholm, you call, I mean, you've got Logan Stanley, but you can call up a Declan Chisholm, you can call up a Billy Hanola. You've got a lot of left side depth to go up the lineup, but you don't have that same depth on the right side. So the reality is that right now, the only guy who's getting recalled is probably Leon Gavanke. Right, that's the one 2017 fifth rounder. So that's your one guy who's going to get a recall. But other than that, you're not really recalling on the right side. So if you if you want to augment, if you, I mean, again, we talk about it all the time. As you need depth on the defensive uh, side of hockey, you need ten defensemen right. to be able to make a long playoff run. So I think you need need that on the right. And I'm not saying you can't flip guys onto the right side. Right? The Nate Schmidt said to me famously when he got to Washington, he was a left shot guy, left side guy. Well, he wasn't going to crack the left side of the Washington Capitals lineup. So he knew he needed to go to the right side. So that's what he did. He changed his game in order to, to make that adjustment. But I'm just saying that nobody's going to, it's hard to do well, that 
midseason. Hang right? on, Dave. Are, are you saying that from your perspective, are you saying that the Jets' priority should be a right side defenseman more than a forward? No, absolutely not. I'm just okay. starting with I'm starting with the defense. I'm saying that you asked the question, do they need three forwards and no defense? I'm saying they right. absolutely need to augment the right side of their defense. So, and they needed, so in your books, you're saying they need a defenseman as well as improving the forward group. Absolutely. I mean, we've been, how long, guys, we've been saying for years that this team would be much better off if Perfetti, Lowry, and Wheeler was your third line mm-hmm. and you had, you know, more, more offensive ability at, in the top or Wheeler and have one of the, one of those two down on the third line with Lowry and creating an actual scoring third line. So yes, I think I, in my opinion, if you go, you're using the number three, Drew, I think it's two and one. I think you need to get two so, forwards yeah. and you need to get at least well, one defenseman. And, and, and that's the, the issue. Yeah, that the is issue, sorry, just wanted to say, Drew, the, the issue with the defense market is that there's more quality on the left side, right? Like Luke Shen is is a is a depth defenseman, right? Like, can he play in your top four? Sure, but he's not going to have the type of impact. Like to answer your question, Drew, about you know, should the Jets acquire two forwards, three forwards, two forwards, and a defenseman, four forwards, nine no, forwards? No, no, I mean, saying- it depends on if Chevy is going to go all in and he wants this team to compete for a Stanley Cup, which we've talked about. The Jets window for winning is the same as the amount of years left on Mark Shifley's contract, Blake exactly. Wheeler's contract, Pierre-Luc Dubois' contract, Connor Hellebuck's contract. The Jets have a two-year window here, maybe three years, right? But they don't have five years like they did a couple of years ago, right? So like a guy like Colton Pareko, like I don't know what his advanced stats are this year, but he's a good defenseman that can play in your top four. I don't know if the Jets are considering Colton Pareko, but Colton Pareko, Luke Shen, you hear Matias Ekholm could be available. He's a left shot. I know he's played a little bit on the right side, but he's primarily been a left shot defenseman. I can't give you the breakdown, but you know I believe the most part of his career he's been a left shot defenseman, right? But like there, there aren't like the Jets aren't going to get Eric Carlson. It's just not going to happen. I don't think anybody's expecting Eric Carlson, who's a right shot defenseman, by the way. But but Eric Carlson, if you really want, you know, if a dream scenario, a defenseman like that, so. Um, you know, the Jets need a top six forward right now, Drew. And, you know, mm-hmm. we've talked about the names, Timo Meyer, you know, Nick Schmaltz, James Van Riemsdyk, uh, you know, a guy like Connor Garland. Going back to the right side defense, a guy that I liked was Ethan Bear. And if you look at his advanced stats, they're really good. Like, I, I would rather have Ethan Bear right now on the right side in my top four than, than Neil Pionk. So a guy like that, like, they need to bring in somebody who's better defensively than Pionk on the right side. So, okay, I, I'm a little surprised from by both of your answers, I'll be honest. I just, looking at the team as of late. True, we didn't, we didn't say defense over forward. That's no, not no, what I know that, but I'm saying you only have two options. You know, two. I don't know that two forwards, obviously depends on who those two forwards are, but let's be realistic about who those two forwards are going to be. I don't know that only two forwards uh, dramatically changes your outlook of your team. Depends who especially. you're talking about, though. Well, I mean, I'm, I mean, they're not going to go out and get Patrick Kane and Timo Meyer. So, I mean, and, and, no, I know. I mean, but if they get so, Timo Meyer, then that's going to yeah, have a huge impact. I think Nick Schmaltz can have a big impact. I'm not saying it's going to make them a Stanley Cup winner. I'm just right. saying it's going to make them better. No, Nick Schmaltz would definitely have a big impact. But I think you need Nick Schmaltz plus two more guys, maybe who are at his level or 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 within the ballpark of his level to really augment your forward group, especially when you consider that you're now going to be without Cole Perfetti. And I know Cole Perfetti, like any young player, like any rookie in the NHL, had his ups and downs this year. But you would also expect that that same young player, as the season goes on, gets a little bit more comfortable, gets to feel a little bit better, gets to uh, just get, get maybe make a little bit more of an impact as the game gets closer to the playoff time. Well, he's no longer an option for you. You now have 
eight weeks, probably closer to seven weeks until the playoffs, and you have many holes in your uh, in on your roster. I mean, you have the need for an entire third line. I would say if you want to be uh, if, if if we're going to say that Baron Lowry and Appleton, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. is really more of a fourth line on a, on a really good team. Then you need an entire third line, and you need two guys in your top six. And so, I mean, as much as Neil Pionk has struggled this year, and as much as his defensive shortcomings are obvious, to me, you can't score. And if you can't score, nothing else matters. I, I you know, Connor Hellbuck isn't going to win you games one nothing every single game. They just can't score right now, and that seems to be where I would be looking to get not necessarily one forward, but two forwards or three forwards uh, to really shore up, to to make your roster look more like some of the better teams you faced against where their third and fourth lines can actually contribute. To me, that is the that would be my chief concern rather than filling out the defense. Now, you could say that, well, you know, if you don't fill out the defense, you still don't have a chance at the Cup, and I have time for that argument but it seems like that would be something the hardest thing to do at the nhl level is scoring and that seems to be where i would focus my energies in trying to acquire something yeah look i am i'm not i don't think as or i disagreed with you in any way shape or form i think we just suggested that i think what we pointed out was that the jets have holes in more than just offense they have Mm -hmm. holes and and look you know stanley cup games generally speaking aren't seven six games so you're right scoring is important but last I checked, so is defensive play. And you're going to need – look, the reality is the Jets don't seem to be – I'm not sitting here. I mean, again, it's not us making this Timo Meyer stuff up uh, out of whole hog to just have something to talk about for 10 minutes uh, You know, to the people in the chat who are saying, what are we smoking? We're not smoking anything. It's what is being discussed in the hockey world right now. So you 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 talk about it because it is, it is relevant to this market. And so the fact of the matter is that – what? What do you want to say? Well, I was just going to ask a question that you mentioned. You sorry, just popped into my head. All this talk lately. What do you make of the talk about the Jets maybe being the linchpin when it comes to Jacob Chikrin? I mean, you posted that on the website this week. There was a there was a yeah, but it didn't make you know what, it, Friedman and Merrick talked. It seemed like more of a throwaway uh, comment where the Jets were going to play like a uh, could be potentially. I don't know. I mean, this. I mean, Chikrin is a, is a good defenseman. Don't go wrong. And I will say the one thing I'll say though that's kind of surprising to me is the cost is not high, right? It's like a first. It's like a first and a prospect who is a first. Which, if you think about, it, you're going to have an impact defenseman uh, who's under, under who's, who's under contract for what two more years after this one? I want to say think. even three years. I thought, but uh, I think it's at least two or, two or three years. So I mean, the fact of the matter is that yeah, you know, Chikrin is definitely two could years be had. This one. Yeah, that's what I said. Two years. Yeah. So I, I think you know. He's definitely something that's interesting. And I think, but again, there's a lot of teams that are interested, right? Like it sounds like the blues are interested. It sounds like the capitals are interested. Um, you blue know, jackets. So the blue jackets as he, so there's a lot of teams that I think are interested in him. And, and again, I, I do agree with you though, Drew, that the number one problem right now for the jets is scoring and you know, the defensive play Connor Hellebuck does erase a lot of those defensive deficiencies and he equalizes a lot of the, the, the lack you might have in that area. And Garrett's right. Dylan Sandberg, Brendan Dillon's had a good season. These guys are having mm-hmm. good years. Really, the, you know, Dylan DeMello has been good. Josh Morrissey's been exceptional. So really, the defense is, I'm just saying you just need a little bit more of depth. But again, I would absolutely agree that you need some scoring wingers on this team. Guys who can play tough, you know. Can you get a guy like 
you know, uh, James Van Riemsdyk, who's who's on, I think, you know, what is he approaching? 900 games in the NHL right now. So, or maybe he's got over 900 games in the NHL. You've got some guys who can contribute. So if you can get a Schmaltz, you can get a James Van Riemsdyk, you can get a few guys. To Brock Besser, too. I go back, to, I've, I've been harping yeah, on mentioned Brock Besser, Besser a bunch. For, but like Besser seems nobody's talking about him. Like this is a guy who scored 20 goals multiple times. He's on a terrible team this year, so he's not having his usual good self. But this is a guy like the Jets need a right winger. And like I really am curious, being a, a Minnesota boy who played for UND, I really wonder. I have no inside knowledge, but I do wonder if Chevy has talked to uh, Jim Rutherford about Brock Besser because he seems to make a lot of sense and you wouldn't have to give up as much as you would have to get Timo Meyer. Well, you mentioned Ezzy Besser. You mentioned James Van Riemsdyk, Dave. I mean, Ezzy, you mentioned Nick Schmaltz. I mean, those are three guys uh, who aren't going to – I mean, Schmaltz is going to cost you a little bit more than the other guys because they're both uh, – you know, you know, they both have – I'd say, well, you know, JVR is an expiring contract and Besser just sort of seems like he needs a, a, a change of scenery. But those are three guys who know how to score at the NHL level. So they're filling out – uh, you know, some of those guys are going to play in your top six. They're going to fill out your second and third line, probably especially your third line. They're going to be slow. You're going to lose a lot in, in, you know, in foot speed there, but they know how to score goals. They know how to put the puck in the net. So, I mean, if, if that's, you know, it just seems like, I don't they're know. Also, Drew, they, by the way, there are also three guys who have never been in my kitchen. Well, there you go. That's also, uh, unfortunately, you can't say the same about Ezzy. He's actually in your kitchen right now, basically. <laughs> He was but, in my kitchen uh, earlier. Yeah, and I'm sure he was. But, you know, it, it, around. It's, I actually, as I, I meant to bring up, did you get a travel mug? Is that what I saw? Yeah, I do have a new travel mug. Congratulations. Thank you, Thank you Contigo. There you hey, go. That's good. You know, Dark Moon does mention Tanner Janot. A little yeah. bit of bulk. I mean, Ezzy and I were talking about Hathaway, who was in Washington and Boston got. He would have been a guy who adds a little, a little, uh, a bit of a cantankerous, uh, who can score, uh, you know, a little grit to the lineup, especially when we talk about for playoffs. You know, we know it was a burn in the saddle for the Jets when they played uh, the Predators from Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a Western Canadian kid. And people can dismiss that, by the way, Dave. But, I mean, if the Boston Bruins are the best team in the league, I mean, why are they bringing in Garnett Hathaway? I mean, yeah. they're bringing in Garnett Hathaway because he can chip in a little bit offensively, but we know what Garnett Hathaway is. He's a guy that finishes his checks and right. drop the gloves. He's an agitator. That's right. And and remember, Garnett Hathaway is the guy who took on Dustin Bufflin. Like, there's not many people we can say we're mm-hmm. we're smart enough, dumb enough to 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 take on 33. And he it, look, and again, you can say it all you want, but you need to have that element in your game, in your play. In you can't be a soft team in the playoffs. I'm sorry. You need guys who can finish checks. Like playoff. Garnett Hathaway is one of the most effective fourth liners in the NHL. That's my point. So it's not just my when we're talking about augmenting, we're not just talking yeah. about getting scoring. Guys who can score, who are going to be soft. You need to add some strength to this lineup. And again, a fourth line guy who can mix it up, score, and do those sort of things, not necessarily a bad thing as well. So like guys like Tanner, you know, if you can get them. Like, and as he's right, I'm sorry, guys. If, if, if the Boston Bruins, who are looking like, uh, you know, a Stanley Cup favorite, mm-hmm. are going out and, and adding that to the mix, it's, it, it says something to you. You can say, well, it's part of hockey culture. Well, look, it is what it is. Those guys know what it takes to win in Boston, yeah. and they went out and got him. So, I mean, Not again, like I said. Not every player is Timo Meyer. The, the right. Timo Meyers are few and far between. There's over 700, 700 players in the NHL, right? So everybody has to have a, a different role. And, you know, back to what Drew was saying, this Jets team, you know, has more, I think, holes than we thought they did a few months ago or a month ago, right? It's not just, you know, bringing in one player. No, clearly, you know, the mix in the bottom six is a huge issue right now. Like we didn't talk to Garrett about Saku Manalainen, but I know from following Garrett on, on Twitter that he's been critical of Manalainen's usage. Like 
I don't know why Manalainen plays so much because he has a very low impact on the game. Yes, he can kill penalties, but all due respect, I mean, aside from that, what else is Saku Manalainen doing when he's in the lineup? Nothing. He doesn't do anything at five on five. You can't, I mean, I, I don't, you know, good teams don't have guys who can't contribute at five on five. Good teams have guys who can who might who who might do good things on the penalty kill while being somewhat effective five on five, but you can't just be a black hole at five on five. I mean, how many times have the Jets tried to do that the last couple of years? Riley Nash, you know, and then not to pick on him, but the Jets brought him in to do nothing at five on five, basically. And then they yeah. lost him on waivers, I think. Yeah, and then they lost yeah. him on waivers because they yeah. realized he had nothing left in the tank. I mean, and that's fine. He had a great career and and and, and good for him. But uh, you know, the, the, you just can't have guys all season long who can't contribute at five on five. And that's not to say that bringing in Sakumanalain and when they did wasn't worth it because it cost you nothing. It was a free agent acquisition, so you see what you got, and he was effective in that penalty killing role. But at some point in the season. You can say, okay, he's a good player, but is does he do enough for us to for us to right. keep and it's not forward? it's not an attack on him personally, as you no. said, Drew. We're just talking about the Jets are second place in their division right now for well, now. Just, like, and they nothing. need they need to improve what they have right now because of how bad they are struggling to score goals. And so we talked about, you know, Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton and Axel Janssen Fialbi and, and Sam Gagne. These guys have you know, provided a, a good service up until this point. Obviously, I'm talking about Lowry is going to be your third line center unless you bring in someone else that's going to replace him. But we're talking more about who Lowry plays with. And I think Morgan Barron is a good fit as it currently stands on the third line. But I think the Jets definitely need more offense from those bottom two lines. That's the, the biggest issue right now. There's no question about it. And whether or not they're going to get those uh, th- that influx of talent and those reinforcements are coming, well, we'll know in, in six days' time. Because right now this team is really uh, you know, trying to push the boulder uphill, but it's they're getting rolled over by the boulder each and every time. Let's head to break. When we come back, more on the trade deadline. Mike McKenna, our friend from dailyfaceoff.com, is going to join us for a whip around the league and talk about what ails the Winnipeg Jets as well. Don't go anywhere. As long as you don't bring out your whip, Drew. (laughs) Ezra, it's Saturday morning. We're live on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show on YouTube and all of our social media platforms. Bottom of hour number two, we're back with the Illegal Curve Hockey Show Saturday morning. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. Mike McKenna going to join us to talk about some of the moves from around the league and what we can expect between now and Friday. You, we mentioned it in passing, but you have to admire the Boston Bruins again. Really, you know, targeting uh, their their who they wanted and getting them right out of uh, Washington. A couple guys who really weren't on the radar to begin with, uh, you know, obviously becoming. Uh, available and the Bruins making no qualms about it and picking them up. We'll talk about that with our next guest from dailyfaceoff.com with one of the best studio setups we ever see. Our good friend Mike McKenna joins us on the program. Mike, good morning. How are things in your world? Hey, Drew, it's going good, man. Uh, I appreciate you saying studio. It is my home studio, but for anybody that's watching, this is actually my guest room closet. So I spend a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I spend a lot of time in the closet here doing doing shows and cracking jokes about it and everything else. But yeah, here it is. Yeah. This is so Mike. When somebody house. stays at your house, do they get to to try on any of the McKenna jerseys? Like, is that is that allowed, or do they have to stay like on the hangers there? 
Uh, I wouldn't say it's encouraged, but people are allowed to dress up in my house. My, You know what? My in-laws were just here for the past little over a week or so, and they do stay in the guest bedroom. You know, when you, when you build a house, you don't expect your guest bedroom to have, or think about it when it has a window in the closet and it's a walk-in closet. And you know what you see here? They can still hang things if they need to. It's fine. They got a couple dressers out there. So this, this ended up being the perfect place because I don't want my house to be a shrine to myself. I'm proud of my career. I loved it. I've got some cool stuff, but if it kind of stays in one area that I can just show people to, that's much better for me than having the hallways lined with pictures and jerseys and things, you know, you know, you know, who else is supportive of that uh, philosophy? I'm sure your wife was very supportive of that philosophy as well. Something tells me she didn't want to live in a, in a shrine to Mike McKenna either. Well, that's, that's kind of unfortunately been a lot of our life. So we, yeah, we're trying to disassociate from it as much as possible. We could, yeah. if anybody out there has any interior decorating device, advice, <laughs> I think uh, we might actually need a bit of that, but no, man, it keeps, keeps it all in here. I got some gear, some of the gears downstairs, cause that's too big to put in a closet, but uh, yeah, I got some good mementos, man. You can't even see all the, like up here is the, is the masks and I've got yeah. all every mask I ever wore is in this room. So oh, that's my I don't part. I don't mean to brag, but this is the uh under 14 doubles runner up tennis trophy right over here. Tennis <laughs> oh, nice. So you know I don't want to you know I'm not saying that I'm at the same level that you are, but I just want to point that out. And this one I even won whatever this tournament was. So you know professional hockey player amateur under 14 tennis Mike, there's a lot of participation ribbons on drew's wall right hey, now it's you know true. what we have we have that in common about tennis i played youth tennis if i see a football hiding behind you drew though and i, I wonder if that's like an uncle rico thing from napoleon dynamite if you could throw it over the mountains you know <laughs> i want uh, state back in 97 i bet you i could throw that football over them mountains <laughs> uh I, you know I, I love football but i bruise like a peach so i didn't play football i think that was the, the more prudent of Smart, the decisions man. uh my talk hockey no, no, this is <laughs> no way this is i mean i gotta be honest this is pretty fun uh as well but yeah let's talk hockey mike uh, mike mckenna dailyfaceoff.com our guest uh we're, we're six days away from the trade deadline mike and uh it, it's amusing from from our perspective or my perspective here we watched we're looking at the western conference you know because that's where the jets play that's where our, our primary attention is focused on the West and the West is sort of just sitting back so far and not really doing much trade deadline wise. Meanwhile, the East is going absolute uh, bonkers in, in, in an arms race in such a competitive conference. The latest of course, being the Bruins acquiring Orlov. Uh, we have the other moves that, you know, the Rangers have gotten into the action. Now they're apparently in on Patrick Kane again. Just, I guess the question would be the moves that have been made so far. What have your impressions been regarding them? Well, I think the overarching theme for me is how teams that really wanted a player realized that they got they had to get ahead of the market. So you think about the Islers getting Horvat, yeah, the Islanders too. getting Horvat, and then you think about the Maple Leafs paying what I thought was a premium to get O'Reilly and Archari. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that because they were ahead of the market and because with the knowledge that man, if they really wanted those players, they had to offer a compelling package to get it done. Did they pay a little more? Probably. But did they get the players that they wanted that gave them depth, that gave them additional scoring? They gave them everything they needed, really, to round out their forwards. Yeah, it did that. So, you know, to me, that's kind of the intriguing factor. I think that Boston, I, I'd be surprised if they had a whole lot left in the bag. It seems like they got it all in one swoop. I've been really curious how it's been multiplayer trades, right? Like, think about even Tarasenko came with Mikola. Yeah. O'Reilly came with Achari. Orlov mm -hmm. came with Hathaway. You know, th these aren't 
bit pieces. I know people think of fourth liners like that, man, but Nolachari had a ton of value at this at this trade deadline. So did Garnett Hathaway, man. Like these are guys that play hard, that can kill penalties, that have speed. Like they fit today's profile for your third or fourth line players. So that part's been been something to keep an eye on. And you keep thinking, like, man, the, the East is in this race. What about the West, guys? Like it's just been <laughs> nothing's going on. And the West just feels so weak across the board. Like, who's your contenders to me? Dallas, well, they're in a losing spat right now, dude. Like, and I still think they're a strong team. They'll be fine. But Dallas and Colorado are kind of the only two teams that I think really are strong enough from the West unless somebody bulks up. You know, maybe you can fit Edmonton in that mix if they grab a defender. Maybe the Jets can keep it rolling because who knows with the way Hellebuck's been playing this year. And I think the bonus has a certain factor to him. But, man, it's going to be tough to crack the East because you still have Tampa Bay lurking who hasn't done anything yet. So let me follow up on that, Mike. You talk about the East. I mean, we know that getting out of the East is going to be such a difficult task. I mean, it's, you know, look at the matchups in the East, you know, are, are they're, they're insane just to win the conference. Meanwhile, in the West, if one team is able to load up in the West, they could be head and shoulders above everyone else. So shouldn't the Western conference teams be more active? Shouldn't they be more sort of saying, Hey, it's wide open. Let's let's go for it this year. This might be our best opportunity right now. Now, of course, Colorado's playing some great hockey as of late, and they're the defending Stanley Cup champions, so you wonder about that factor. But before then, when Colorado was struggling for so long this year, are you surprised that somebody in the West didn't sort of grab the bull by the horns and say, hey, maybe this is our opportunity to, to leap over our nearest competitors? Well, I wonder if part of it's not predicated on those teams in the West don't truly think they have the same chance as the teams in the East. Okay, like you do have to be realistic when you're going for rental players. And Boston picked up rentals. That's Orlov, that's Hathaway, UFAs. Orlov's going to get a big payday. Who knows if he could stick around in that place, even though that's kind of the MO of Boston. They do like to retain players when possible. Um, but look at the rest, like O'Reilly, UFA. That's a rental, maybe, we think. Ochari, same way, okay? So if you're the team, like let's say – I don't know if, if you're the Minnesota wild, that's been mid a lot of the season, right? Mm -hmm. Or the Calgary flames who've been out of the playoffs a lot of the season. Mm -hmm. Do you really want to expend a ton of capital for rental players when you don't think that your team's quite there? Like what's your, what's your willingness to swing for the fences? The one team out there that, I mean, Vegas will swing. Right. Like they keep saying how smart they're going to be this year and how they're going to be cautious and everything. Well, they just gave nine and a half million bucks in LTIR with Mark Stone going on. You can't tell me they're not going to use every penny of that with them sitting at first in the Pacific Division, especially knowing how competitive it is out there. So they're willing to swing big. Factor, like I said earlier, though, is that I think a lot of these big fish are off the market, especially forwards. Horvat's gone. O'Reilly's gone. Taves is not going to be traded. What's mm. left for Senators? What's your what's your consolation prize? Sam Lafferty? I'm a big <laughs> fan of Sam Lafferty, dude. I'm, I'm not laughing at him at all, but Sam Lafferty's a third or fourth line player. Right. So they're gone. That's why the premium was important from the East. And, you know, wingers, you're basically down to Timo Meyer. And if you want Timo Meyer, I think you're going to have to pay enough to be able to get him and retain him. I don't think you're going to see a rental with Meyer. I think whoever goes for him will pay enough that they can make sure they keep him in-house. And I don't know if he can stay in the West. You know, Vegas can't do it with their cap restrictions next year. So it's pretty intriguing, guys, because I think the, the West has kind of run what you brung in racing terms. And I think the East is in an arms race, like you said. Oh, Mike, I want to continue the trade deadline discussion, though. But 
you know, I told Dave, I want, I, I've been dying to ask you this because just since last night, I should mention, but you know, the Jets lost 5-1 to uh, last night, lost 5-1 to the Avalanche and Connor Hellebuck started getting the Bronx cheers. And my point on the post game show, and I, and I'm not torturing Drew with this. I realized that the fans were booing the team. But the I want to ask you as a former pro not. goalie who played in the NHL, played, had a long career, you know, if your team is playing poorly in front of you and none of the goals are your fault, I would say maybe one of the four goals up until that point was Hellebuck's fault. I mean, as a goalie, do you care about that if you're getting booed by the home fans? Like, as far as I, it was annoying me because even if the fans are, are booing the team through Hellebuck, you're still booing every time Hellebuck made a save. And considering that he just stole a win against the Rangers with 50 saves, I just thought, I don't, I didn't like it. And I just wanted to ask you what your thoughts are uh, about Hellebuck getting the Bronx cheer yesterday. I can't stand it, man. Like, and you can portray yourself as the most mentally strong player, goalie, anybody in the world. You know, they're still booing you. Okay. Like it. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're booing the team or they're cheering in a Bronx way for the team. It's all filtered through the goaltender. And to have a guy like Hellebuck, who, like last year, man, I, th I thought he lost his way a bit. Honestly, I didn't think he was great last year. He was okay at times. I've seen him this year play at a level that is at least on par with his best hockey, right? And this is a Vezina Trophy winner. So are you going to boo a guy that gives your team a chance every night who's won a Vezina, who could this year, he's one of the top three goalies in the league this year, when your options could be, oh, I don't know. Maybe you have Matt Murray and Elias Samsonov as your goalies. Or maybe you have Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner as your goalies that you just don't know about, man. Okay, like, I'm a fan of all those guys, but they're all unproven, untested, everything when it comes to down the stretch. They've never won Vezinas. They've never been top five goalies in the league, in my eyes. And you're going to give it to them? Come on. Like, I understand the passion and everything, but I think it's the wrong way for fans to do it. I think it's off-putting. Um, and it's the type of stuff that just drives you crazy, man. Like, it's just, it just sucks. Like, it's not fun to be part of that. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I appreciate the answer. It's refreshing to hear your answer as it comes. There's more weight behind it with you because you've played in the NHL, and I have not, obviously. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, it, I just think, like, again, I, I understand booing the team if they're not playing well. But my whole point, like Dave and I were in the press box yesterday and was telling Dave, like, this is just stupid. Like, yeah. even if you're booing the team, like you're booing Hellebuck because he makes the save, right? And I just thought it just annoyed me. Um, and, you know, I don't get easily annoyed at games. But switching to that, I want to ask you about an article that was recently on dailyfaceoff.com where um, yourself, Frank, Matt Larkin, um, I don't know if there was anybody else, but picking X factors for the trade deadline. And you picked Matthias Ekholm. And that's a guy that we talked about in the first hour of the show, who obviously, you know, Ekholm and the Jets have battled, um, you know, many times, especially going back to that 2018 second round, right? But doesn't Matthias Ekholm seem to make a ton of sense for the Jets who need uh, uh, to add a shutdown defenseman? Or another team that I'm sure that you've thought of as well is the Toronto Maple Leafs with Jake Muzzin now officially being out. Like, uh, I just feel like Ekholm, regardless of your, your need is more on the right side, which I think you'd agree with Pionk struggles, the Jets need more of a uh, upgrade on the right side, but it just seems like, you know, that's a guy that really intrigues me as a possibility for the Jets. I have no idea if he's, he's even on Chevy's radar, Mike, but I think Ekholm, as you mentioned in the article, he's not a sexy pick, but he is a yeah. legitimate shutdown defenseman. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to is that you can't have enough top four type of guys. And, uh, and I always think of it, 
you know, obviously through the goalie's lens of who do I want to play behind, you know, and, and that's where a player like Eckholm, like he's, he's not the sexy name, man. Like he's not Eric Carlson. He's, he's not, um, you know, he's not Patrick Kane if we're talking forwards, but uh, you know, Eckholm, the only drawback to him to me is that he's got a pretty big contract that runs for a couple of years, you know, and, and 6.25 is, is not necessarily an easy contract to just swallow for the next three afterwards. But for any team, you have to have solid top four. And I've been surprised to see Pionk fall off. Like, I mean, I think part of that's because Morrissey's taken up some of that airspace, but like it, it, Dylan DeMello, great player. Love him. Right. Brendan Dillon. I think he's been great, but the teams that win, think about how deep Colorado was on D last year. I mean, you're talking, I can, you can run them out that they even lost Sam Gerard and they were still cranking last year. Right. So, I mean, they had, you know, you had from, you had McCarr, you had Taves, you had Manson, you had, you know, Gerard was out. And so then you had Byron, like it just, they were seven deep on D. EJ. And to me, Derek Johnson was there as well. That's right. Um, you know, that's Jack Johnson. Like that's a team to me that you got to emulate. You build from the D on out. And I think Eckholm to me, he'd be tough. And I think he'd be really tough for Toronto. I think Toronto would probably be looking more towards like a Jake McKay would be an amazing fit for that team. If they could get a little salary retention on it. Um, but a team like the Jets that have cap space um, and could handle it into the future, Eckholm would make a lot of sense for me. You can figure out the sides, okay? Whether he's playing left <laughs> or right with your players, like you can make that work if you need to. Nobody's married to one side. Um, but for me, Eckholm, yeah. he can play both and be very versatile. Let me ask you about that, Mike. You just said that no players are married to one side. Do we sort of on the outside make more of the lefty righty? You know, are, are players more sort of willing to play where they need to play than than maybe we give them credit for? You know, in in our armchair quarterbacking. I think so. I mean, at the NHL level, most of those players have played at different positions, especially defense. You know, it's very rare that they've only played one side. Um, forwards as well, right? You can, if you have to do it, you can move players from the left to the right side. And, you know, one of the teams that I follow very closely, it's St. Louis and Vegas are the two teams that I watch every game of. Sure. You know, Vegas has switched around Marcia, So and Smith left to right side pretty interchangeably, no problem. They can handle it. But they also have a guy in Phil Kessel who cannot play. <laughs> on the opposite <laughs> side. Okay. You can't switch Kessel over um, to the other wing. So you do need to be sensitive to it and you need to look at the player's past history. But I mean, Eckholm has played both sides. Okay. And so it wouldn't be as much of an experiment as grabbing somebody um, that typically, like, like you know, Yossi's only for the most part played the left side. That's what he does. Mm. Um, I, I think you have to look at that past history and take it into account, but also know that these are NHL players. They can adapt if they need to. It might be a bit of an experiment. But especially if you're going on a long playoff run, I'd rather have six strong D than five or five and a half, even if somebody's playing a little bit out of their natural position, which defense is still defense. In today's game, it's all interchangeable for the most part. Whoever's closest to that puck's going, two pistons moving back and forth in the D in the neutral zone, you can make it work. Saturday morning, you're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on YouTube and all of our social media platforms. Our guest is Mike McKenna from DailyFaceOff.com. You know, Mike, uh, teams are usually loath to give you any sort of insight into their decision-making, especially when it comes to injuries. They don't want to upper body, lower body. They don't want to disclose anything. Rick Bonus said David Gustafson was going to be out potentially three or four more days. That was like six weeks ago. Guys, mm -hmm. you know, they don't like to share that kind of stuff. But of late now, the NHL is doing something new, which is <laughs> remarkable. 
we're holding a guy out for trade-related reasons. This is brand new. And trade-related reasons, TRR, it's like a new part of the lexicon of the NHL. What do you think of this? And and more importantly, as a player, you know, Jacob Chikrin has been out, I think, at least two weeks now for the Arizona Coyotes. He's not playing. There's a, there's a number of other guys who are, quote, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. What do you take? How do you take this new phenomenon in the NHL? I think it's important for us to distinguish that this has gone on previously. You'd see players miss the last game or so, or two, maybe, right, before trade deadline. If you're playing that night or you're playing the day before, you know, and nobody said they're, they're being withheld for trade-related reasons. It was just they're scratched tonight, okay? <laughs> they got the health bomb. They're out, whatever, you know? And, and we really didn't think anything of it because if they're being held out then, you know the trade's coming. Right? It's going to happen the next day or two. And I, and I never had a problem with that. I understand that you're trying to protect your asset. If you're a general manager, why would you not do that? It's just one game. You have nothing left to showcase for that player to get the best return you can. But we're talking like two weeks for Chikrin, and this is a joke at this point. Okay. And he's been out of the lineup for this long on top of the fact that the initial trade request, when both sides decided it was time to move on, happened early in 2022, one. Okay. 2021, right. 2021. So you, you had all this time, you had the 2022, 2021 holiday break. You had the 2022 uh, trade deadline, 2022 draft. 2022 free agency, the entire 2022 off season, the 2022 holiday break. Okay. Like (laughs) how many choke points are you going to blow through without trading this guy? And to me, like, dude, if you ever try to sell a house in today's market, at least in the United States, okay. It's it's, maybe it's, I know Canada housing is a lot different, but like I just sold a house two, three, three years ago, man. And I know people that put their house on the market for a stupid high price, just reaching, right? How long did that house sit on the market for? forever in an absolute seller's market it sat forever i priced my house a little bit under what it should have gone for and guess what it started a bidding war you think jacob chikrin isn't going to have a bidding war of course he is he's the best he's one of the top 3d in the league carrying it out of the blue line and carried it into the offensive zone power play five on five you take your pick he's healthy again this whole thing to me is a mismanagement i can't stand the trade related reasons I don't like this. I think it flies in the in the face of the competitive spirit of the sport. I think it's a disservice to the fans who pay money to see the best players they can. And I say all this knowing that nothing's going to change. <laughs> okay? Because if I'm a general manager, I might do the same thing. Again, for a game or two, though. Like the Tyler Mott deal from Ottawa to the Rangers, he was held out that morning for trade-related reasons. Guess yeah. what? He was traded that night. Fine. That's, dude, I got no problem. But when we saw Chikrin come across the board, we uh, trade related, we went, oh man, something's imminent, right? I got my fingers ready on the keyboard, ready to write a trade grade you know, <laughs> article out of this. Nothing happens. And guess what? FOMO sets in, fear of missing out. So who's next up? Gavrikov, trade related reasons. He's out too. These guys haven't played. Like, what are you getting now from a player that hasn't played for two weeks? Rust. You know, <laughs> you're getting rust and now you got to get him back in the lineup. Like, I don't know, man. I don't like it. I don't think it's going to change, um, but it has become kind of the buzz phrase. You know, it's lower body injury. <laughs> now it's trade related <laughs> reasons. We're not going to see this guy. And I just, I don't like players being stuck in hockey purgatory. And to me, that's where Chikrin is. That's where Gavrikov is. I'd like to see them on the ice. 
speaking of purgatory, it's been disappointing years in Calgary and Pittsburgh. Both teams had their hearts set on being playoff teams. Both teams expected to be playoff teams. Both teams currently out of playoff races. A lot of smoke around both teams, too. You have Alan Walsh defending Jonathan Huberto and saying there's too much negativity in Calgary. You got Hextall uh, and the coach in Pittsburgh seemingly at war with one another. Of the two situations, which one is more concerning to you, Mike? Boy, it's tough because, you know, if you're the Flames, Brad Tree Living's never been a casual general manager. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like to me, the only thing that's off in Calgary is this underlying current that the players are miserable there. And, and I don't think that that can be downplayed considering it's come from a lot of different areas, man. All right. And I talked to, I, I talk to a lot of people. Okay. I talk to players. I talk to agents. I talk to, to coaches, everybody in the NHL, man. And you, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, dude, like almost always. Okay. So that's concerning because can those players really just suddenly kick it into stride in Calgary when it hasn't happened all year? We keep waiting for them to go and they've got an easy schedule from here, right? The strength of schedule is easy for Calgary, mm-hmm. but they keep losing to bad teams occasionally, you know, it's two step forwards, one back, all that. So I'm concerned with that club with Pittsburgh. I mean, Crosby's always found a way to get his team there, but boy, if Crosby isn't going to go to management and say, we need to do something about this. And Ron, if you're not going to spend a first rounder to help us out, why did we just sign Gino and Tanger to those long-term deals, man? We got to go here, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that team, I worry about them because Jari's been hurt way too much for me. And I don't think the Smith can get it done uh, in a number one role. Okay. In a support role, he can. They need a goalie. They need some depth forwards. So I, I would actually put more concern with Pittsburgh missing because I think Calgary is in trouble regardless. <laughs> it's just <laughs> I am more concerned that I think Pittsburgh has more, more conflict within the organization in general than Calgary. I think Calgary is pretty much just on one guy. And the thing is, <laughs> I don't think Sutter cares a bit, and that's his prerogative, man. He can coach any way he wants. I have all the respect in the world for him, um, but doesn't face him for a second, and that's just the way he does things. Yeah, absolutely. He does not give an F. He never has, right? He does things his way. Mike, I wanted to ask you about Patrick Kane because that's obviously, you know, everybody is focusing in on certain players here in Winnipeg and elsewhere, New Jersey, certainly in Carolina. You know, Timo Meyer is right at the top of the trade bait board, right? But so is Patrick Kane. And, you know, we've been talking about this for weeks on this show. I know that you guys have as well, you and Frank and, and everybody else at Daily Faceoff. Like, we still don't know what's going to happen, but what are you uh, leaning towards? Hang on. Like, Ezzie, let me just read what Elliot Friedman tweeted about 15 sure. minutes ago about Patrick sure. Kane. This is just an update. I thought, I thought Mike Drew was going to say that Kane was traded. I'm no, he hasn't been. Uh, this is from Elliot. Guys, you stole it. I was going to have the breaking news. I was going to break <laughs> it right now that Kane had just been traded to the, the – you know, you know who I heard he was going to? Where's that? He was he he was going to the he's going to the Arizona Coyotes. That's, oh. what, <laughs> That's what he wants to do. Complete yeah. curveball. Out of left field. Who saw that coming? Uh, yeah. On Patrick Kane slash the New York Rangers, the last 24 hours or so has been about lining up everything from a cap situation to third party trade partners to roster machinations to Patrick Kane's approval making sure everything is in place, no detail is missed. We're grinding towards a conclusion. No one wants a misstep. I mean, that sounds like he's going to the Rangers, uh, and they're just dotting the I's and crossing the T's at this point. 
why on earth would Elliot put that out there if it wasn't going to happen? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just way too in depth. Mm -hmm. That's way too well researched. That's hearing from clearly both sides and maybe even the players camp with an agent. To me, that seems like a done deal. That's what that says. Um, and I'll tell you what, I'm actually kind of disappointed by that because I, I, I don't think that, you know, as much as the Rangers, if they can keep loading up, are going to help themselves. I'm not sure Kane's the right fit for that club with what they've already got, you know? So I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not downplaying this. I'm not saying it's going to hurt them. They could still easily win the cup with it. I could be wrong about this for all we know. I just think that Kane would be able to help other teams more so than that club that the Rangers are strong, man, right now. Mm -hmm. So I get it. Why Kane would want to go there. That would make sense. The one team that I wish he would entertain the thought of if they were willing to, boy, I would love to have seen him go to the Buffalo Sabres, man. <laughs> I really would. Oh, and and I know it's, it's just not going to happen, but that team's just so fun to watch. And I yeah. think that he would be dynamic. It's his hometown. That team's probably got a win, not even a window. That team's going to be good for a decade, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just, I wish that could happen. Maybe he just wants to get one run in, in New York and see how it goes, but I'm kind of disappointed by it. I think it could easily work. I just, I think he'd be better served in other cities from his own standpoint, from a league standpoint. You know, Mike, it kind of does springboard a little bit to my question. The other thing I was curious about is what's your take on this idea of third-party participants in trades? Because we're seeing that more than we've ever seen it before. And, of course, just south of us in Minnesota, they've done that now a couple of times. And you can only do it three times where you can retain a contract, uh, you know, to, to facilitate something of this nature. But it is interesting that it's happening. It's Again, it, it's not something – it's more of an NBA thing than it is an NHL thing. And what is your take on this idea of being a – third-party broker and facilitating trades between two teams. Well, it's smart business. You know, if you look at what Minnesota's done, I think that the actual real dollars that they've spent to acquire, um, what is it, a third and fifth round draft picks, I think, for facilitating these two trades that they've done, I believe, guys, correct me if I'm wrong on that. I think it's a third and fifth. Yeah. The real dollars they've spent is like one hundred fifty dollars or $160,000, <laughs> you know? So they've spent, they've spent one good American hockey league salary on obtaining two draft picks and the cap space that they had to use to do it was pretty minuscule mm -hmm. considering how much they had going into trade deadline. They were almost up to like 13 million in advance of trade deadline available. Um, now they're going to hit a cap crunch next year, having Parisian suitor uh, on the books with their buyouts, but they could do it this year and gain those con gain those salary, those draft picks to me it's smart business. Um, and I think it's a real nature of seeing these big contracts now, big, long contracts if you're trying to move. So I, I wonder, though, if as the world turns, we're seeing teams lock up young talent immediately. That that second year, that bridge deal is pretty much gone, it feels like, for a lot of players. So, you know, I wonder if this doesn't happen more and more often in the future just because you get a player for two or three years, things aren't really working, you got to move them, you got to make, make the salary go, or a UFA – I'm curious of it. I think it's smart business, but boy, it really makes things complicated. <laughs> you know, trying to explain these deals becomes tough for us. And that's why every team's got two or three guys that are just number wonks to work on the cap. And that's why the rest of us owe a, a huge debt of gratitude to cap friendly on a regular basis for somehow, so. you know, figuring out all this the stuff. The Wilder like an offshore bank account these days. <laughs> yeah, they are. It's they're, they've the the Minnesota Wild actually have their 
uh, working address in the Bahamas, guys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Mike McKenna with dailyfaceoff.com. They're going to have great trade deadline coverage all week long. Of course, they have great coverage all season long. And then a live show on Friday covering the trade deadline. What time does the show start, Mike, on Friday? Give it a plug. If you know, yeah, it. we'll be, yeah, we're going to be, <laughs> we're going to be rolling pretty much all day. You log on, I think 11 o'clock almost until I think 10 a.m. Eastern to 11 a.m. Eastern till 2 p.m. Eastern. I think I want to say so in there. Yeah. And we do a daily show uh, 11 o'clock every or 12 o'clock noon every day at daily face off. And we're not just a fantasy website, man. It's all full content. Frank Sarah Valley's there. Myself, Stephen Larkin, Matt Lark or Matt Larkin, Stephen Ellis. We've got, uh, yeah. We have full coverage, so appreciate anybody going to check us out at Daily Faceoff. Hey, you have to put up with Frank on a regular basis. You get you, you should get some sort of uh, hazard pay for that. Mike McKenna. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, it's nice to work with people that have your back, and Frank does, and that's yeah. that's a good feeling. Frank's a great guy. We used to, yeah, back when I wish Drew had my back, Mike. Yeah, it's true. No, we, I, <laughs> I, I do as you. I stab it. That, that's where that's where the knife goes, right in the back. Uh, I was going to say, you know, we. Dave's uh, got my back, so Frank you know, one out of two is uh, not bad, Mike. Yeah, we, you know, we were with Frank when he was still when the Jets were still in the East, and Frank was uh, still with the Philadelphia Daily News. So it uh, go way yep. back, of course. Mike, thank you for this. We appreciate it. Great insight. Uh, we'll let you get out of the guest room closet. Have a great rest of your Saturday, buddy. Cheers, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Mike. Have a good one. You too. Mike McKenna, dailyfaceoff.com, joining us on the program. There he goes. Uh, that's a hell of a way. Great insight from, from Mike. He's, he's he's one of our favorites. We're all set for the trade deadline now. Six bo- six days left, boys. Six days left, exactly. Not long to see if the Jets are going to be active. And whenever the Jets do anything, if they do anything, it'll be on illegalcurve.com. And, of course, we'll have all the latest breaking news here on our YouTube channel. Maybe even a pop-up show. Well. Maybe even a pop-up show. We're, we're figuring out the machinations. We're dealing. Uh, we're trying to figure everything out. And as soon as we know, you will know. Of course, tomorrow evening, no question about that, 5.15, the Illegal Curve. Is that the evening? Show. That's the afternoon. 5.15? Is evening. That's when Drew. Drew, we've had this discussion. Five, right. Six o'clock is the evening. No. Uh, five o'clock is the evening in my No, opinion. no. Nope. Well, technically, as he because it gets dark here it's in PM, Winnipeg, it's uh, PM, five p.m. It's p.m., but it's not nighttime. It's not evening. Technically, Let's one is p.m. Technically, twelve oh one p.m. is p.m. If that's no, no, no. Your, but what your... I'm saying is, what is your defense of why five o'clock is the evening? I say six o'clock is the evening. No, that's the hill I will die on. Six o'clock is dinner time. Five o'clock is evening. Six o'clock is dinner time. Nope. Seven o'clock is when I start screaming at my children to go to bed. Eight o'clock is when I start med- self-medicating. Everybody knows these are well standardized and accepted. Uh, Kenny's, Kenny's water bottle needs to chime in right now. Is five fifteen the evening or the afternoon? Doug is saying he Doug agrees with you, Ezzy. Doug agrees with you. Doug says six is evening. Oh, sorry, but then, six. Matthew, okay, hey, you a, control, dude. Go ahead. Okay, Doug says six is up. evening. Let's get a poll going here. Matthew Thompson says five is evening. So no, it's no, clear no, that no, there's no, no. Uh, six o'clock. Okay, well, you know, maybe you guys can. Uh, Dave, you've been a little quiet here. What do you say? Well, the problem for me is my evening usually starts around ten o'clock. So uh... Dave's a night owl. Look, you're the, I, one who, uh, you're the one, Dave. When you tweet out a, your five o'clock uh, Jets papers update, that you say, uh, so yeah. "Here's some Jets reading with your dinner." I don't know who the hell's eating dinner at five o'clock, but that's one of your go-to's it's, all the time. Yeah, I know, but it's well, actually, to be honest with you, Drew, it's usually five or six, depending on when I have to fit the okay. tweet in. Well, so, the base, and that's more circumstantial. Girl is saying six, so Bailey says six. Ooh, we got a lot six o'clock, says five thirty. So He's going in the middle. He doesn't, want, he doesn't want to here. choose between his so parents. Uh, right, right, now, right now, we're you know kind of in a bit of a, a chess match here in terms of what is evening and what is afternoon. 
Look, Turd Ferguson says I'm right, then that's all the validation I Although have. I agree with Vince. Who says let's meet this afternoon at 5 o'clock? Right. Who, nobody says that. You, who, let's meet this evening, 5 o'clock. Well, we'll get but I here. also have a question. Who's meeting at 5 o'clock? Well, you go for a post-work drink. That's when you would meet at 5 o'clock. Post-work drink? What am I going to go in my, uh, in my uh, studio in my uh, house? I don't think anybody says let's meet at, at tonight at 5 either. Right. This evening at five is what we're saying. The evening. What's the difference between evening and night? It's the same thing. It's Lupper, actually. That would be the time for Lupper. Evening starts at five o'clock. Nicole J says it as all as well. Come on, people. Five o'clock is still the afternoon. I think rare is the day that I'm correct, but I think this is one where I am correct. I would I would entertain five thirty, Dave, as being as being night. Five thirty is right there. Five. Yeah, five is a little early. I agree with you. Yeah, Kenny's water bottle says five thirty, so I'm sticking with that. Okay, you can both go. To More hell. importantly, though, all the people who are chiming in, where, where, where do you where do you think we should go? Go to hell is what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I think that everyone should uh, focus on. Instead of we appreciate you offering your opinions, and that's always great. But make sure you smash that like button, folks. Make sure you smash that like button and enter the contest. Come on, we I can see some of the contest winners uh, are, are in. Phyllis just got her uh, her Jets merch. I know Lisa. I hope she got hers. I think. Um, uh, I think Brad also got would be getting his. We got a, those are the ones I had to mail out, and a couple others that were delivered. So we got a whole bunch of deliveries coming out next week. So just make sure you enter that contest for more chances to win. Ezzy and I will be selecting a winner and a new unique code word. So make sure you get your unique code word in for the last game. I think it was Mile Higher Hockey. Yeah, all caps. And then uh, yeah, like I said, again we'll end this with wishing Bailey a happy birthday. She's going to the Moose game. She's taking her family as part of the entertainment. So the Moose will be playing a two o'clock rematch with the grant, the, um, who are they playing? Sorry. Lost my Admirals. Milwaukee Admirals. I was going to say Grand Rapids Griffins, but Milwaukee Admirals. And then of course they'll close up the homestead next week against Chicago. We'll have tickets for that as well. So more tickets to give away courtesy of a legal curve. You can go enjoy the jets of tomorrow in Bailey's case today. Okay, Dave, it's great that you have moose tickets to give away that you've given away to to Bailey, but let's get back to the important issue here. People are saying six to nine is like, what is 10 o'clock? Is 10 o'clock not evening anymore? No, no, that's still 10 o'clock. Maybe maybe people want to qualify and say it's late evening. No, well, no, people are running man is saying six to nine is evening, which I agree, but isn't nine to 12 also evening? I mean, this is, I feel like I'm going to have to put some research into this here because five o'clock is not evening. Five to eight is evening. No. Well, we can continue this debate another day. Wow, this is riveting stuff. I mean, you know, we could be talking about trade stuff. We could talk about hockey, but yeah, you know, let's uh, let's discuss this. In any event, a big thank you to all the sponsors of Illegal Curve who make the post game show, this Saturday show, and the website a possibility. Our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club. If you're heading to the wonderful wedding show tonight, as I'm sure, or this weekend, as I'm sure so many of you are, check out the Rumors booth at the wonderful wedding show. Sorry, Drew, uh, I'm actually going to the wonderful separation show. <laughs> That's actually at the law firms of Collectors, Manuk, McFlicker, and Green. Right. He's going to the trial separation show. Uh, Linden Market, Dental Center, Zapia Group, Realty, Betway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, Rolly's Transfer, Grid Park, and The Keg. Support these fine businesses. Just kidding, Naomi. Continued support <laughs> of illegal curb hockey. Just kidding. Let him back in the house, please. Uh, big yeah, thanks. Please, please let him back in the house. Otherwise, he's staying with me. 
Big thanks to Garrett Hull. Big thanks to Mike McKenna for joining us uh, on this morning's show. In case you missed anything, immediate replay on YouTube. And, of course, the podcast will be available for download soon thereafter. If you haven't already done so, smash the like button. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the podcast. Rate us. Review us. Leave us some feedback. We always like to know what you think of this fine program. We'll be back tomorrow evening, 5.15, for the Illegal Curve postgame show following the Jets and the New York Islanders. For Dave Manuk, for Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel. Thanks for joining us. If it's Saturday, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, live on YouTube and all of our social media platforms. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.